0: Shouldn't be here.
1: Now, on this species of veriform has been extinct since. The Cretaceous period. I
2: mean this thing is a this thing. What?
3: it doesn't apply it totally wrong It's a warm-bodied creature
1: this thing doesn't
4: live in the swamp
3: this thing's got what a 25 27 foot neck a brachiosaurus 30 The T-Rex is 32 miles an hour.
0: T-T-Rex?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You said you've got a T-Rex?
3: Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. All right. you your head between me, knees.
0: <laughs>
3: okay. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sutton, welcome
2: to Jurassic Park.
4: Hello again, friends. This is the Film Effect Podcast.
3: Good morning, Film Effect.
1: That's it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the end of the game right there. That's World War Three. Fucking hot recording right
3: now. I literally never wanted to punch movie in its face more than I had last night.
1: Definitely worth your time. It's, it's definitely worth revisiting.
4: Fifteen minutes in, I'm like, uh, Dorothy, we're not in Oakland anymore. It's in 4K, buddy. Check it out. So we kind of like an afternoon, you like drive time type thing, or like the type of podcast you listen to at work.
2: So let's get down to the nitty gritty.
4: Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, the weekly show that deep dives into a different film each episode in an effort to give it what we call the full film effect treatment. I'm Ed. And I'm Corey.
1: And joining us for the first time friend and fan of the show who also happens to be my younger brother and the biggest mark for jurassic park i know let's welcome to the show eric aka numbles hello all how's it going glad to finally have you
5: on man
4: oh thank you yeah man i'm uh it's it's been a long time coming big fan of the show i've known you since you were a fucking little baby (laughs) <laughs> so glad to have you on here man so and that being said this is Jurassic Park
2: on June 11th Universal Pictures invites you hey,
3: look at this to
2: discover the wonder
3: can I touch it? sure
2: experience the power you feel that? and live an adventure 65 million years in the making Jurassic Park, rated PG-13, starts Friday, June 11th at theaters everywhere.
4: In Steven Spielberg's massive blockbuster, paleontologists Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler, along with mathematician Ann Malcolm, are among a select group chosen to tour an island theme park populated by dinosaurs created by prehistoric DNA, while the park's mastermind, billionaire owner, assures everyone that the facility is safe they find out otherwise when various ferocious predators break free and go on the hunt. Man, Jurassic Park, you know, this this is a big one. This is a huge movie, groundbreaking effects, everything. Like this film just changed the way we look at movies today. And uh I don't know. It's 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 kind of like a little bit outside the norm because typically we don't aim for those big blockbusters. But it, come <laughs> on, it's Jurassic Park, and we did Armageddon with the you know, with the franchise. I mean, come on, this was Bayhem month, baby. <laughs> with the franchise coming to a close, finally, uh, you know, we got to go back to the original and cover it because, ah, come on, this is it's Jurassic Park. Yeah, you know?
1: it it it's like you said, it's a little bit outside of our norm. Uh. You know, in the lexicon of uh, big movies, uh, this would have to be mentioned. I mean, as far as just being a phenomenon and just being hugely popular and influential, uh, which we'll get into in the episode, but, I mean, everybody's seen Jurassic Park, whether it's your Mima, your Peepaw, or your nine-year-old kid. You know, er- everybody in between's seen it at some point, so it's just such a huge movie. I mean... It- you know if you ask me to pick like some of the most influential i mean this one would definitely be in there you know
4: i honestly feel like to be a movie podcast you have to at least have one episode on this movie (laughs) you know so um it only took 101 episodes but we finally got there and here we are eric what are your thoughts on uh jurassic park uh jurassic park Park mark (laughs) (laughs) I
5: fucking I love this movie this is uh if you know top movies of all time this is at least one this is number one or number two for me um love Steven Spielberg uh it it, I mean this movie ignited a generation of people to be interested in re-interested in dinosaurs and um yes I just it, it, it's just a great, great movie. The, the, the changes they made from the book were, you know, a good ideas. Um, it's just it's overall, it's just a great movie. Eric, I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever asked you, have you read the book? I'm assuming yes, right? Uh, I've read both books. Uh, both books are very good, but very screwed up at the same time. Um, I think the first movie, in my opinion, is better than the book. The, first, um, the second movie is so drastically different from the book that they just I, I don't know if you I don't know uh, if you guys know the story of how the second movie even or the second book even
4: happened and the second book happened because of the movie he actually had uh, Michael Crichton write the book so they can make the movie right? correct Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I had the knowledge right
5: yeah, he was he was so he was he was so dead set on writing uh, doing a second movie and with uh, Jeff Goldblum that like he had the red con part of the first book to make the movie. <laughs> so that's
4: insane. That is so insane. And yeah, I was actually gonna bring up the book later on, but you know, might as well talk about it now since this is actually well famously based on the book that did what was the book released what 1990 did the book come out
5: um i'm not sure what ye- i think it was even i'm not sure what year
4: because i read that he was writing it in 89 so it had to it might have been 91 let me look at it since we're but what i was getting at is the um i read the book i don't know if it was middle it might have been not long after i saw the movie middle school, perhaps? It's been at least 25 years or so, maybe even 30, or not 30, can't be that long. But yeah, more like 25, that sounds about right. Like, I was still in, like, you know, grade school, and I definitely wasn't in high school. The only book I remember reading in high school was I Know What You Did Last Summer, which, that, yeah, previous episode, talked about it back then, uh, for the marathon last year. Anyway, uh, now that I got that plug out of the way, back to the, the, what I was talking about, the book i don't remember it being too much different i remember there being differences it's a lot more graphic in detail obviously there's, there's f-bombs being dropped it's it's a lot less family oriented but that being said um how much would you say that the film deciphers from the book um i read i read somewhere where like the book where like the book was like only 20 percent of the movie was from a um, book or something like that. There's a
5: lot. Just with all books, there's a lot of exposition and character building that's not needed for movies. Um, so, I think overall, the- Spielberg got a majority of the movie, or the majority of the book in the, into the first movie. He cut a lot of the fluff, and you, you really okay. didn't need that for this story. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, In my opinion, he did a very good job at adapting the book to the movie.
4: Yeah, it was his goal. Like, I'm going to get into later on. Like, he was really gung-ho when making this movie. Uh, Once he caught wind of this, like, there was a whole bidding war, which he kind of, like, got the upper hand on. Again, going to get into all that. Um, But I like how he... I like how you bring up exposition dialogue because I like how he uses it in the movie. He, you know, basically the whole Mr. DNA thing. Uh, he's just there essentially to pile on all the exposition dialogue that you need for the movie in that one scene for like two, three minutes. And I think that's really smart. Yep. But that's, that's just me getting ahead of things. Um, let's start from the top like we always do, and get to first-time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that, you see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time, so technically that's my second time, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if I'm not up to, yeah, uh, Corey and Eric, why don't you guys go first? Because I usually do, but I want to change things up. So you guys go first for this one, uh, Corey, Eric. Corey, why don't you go first?
5: Because I never remember these, and I am amazed that either one of you can ever remember our first time viewing. <laughs> because I never <laughs> do. I have no clue. Corey will be like, "Yeah, I remember seeing that with Eric." I'm like, "I did." <laughs> yeah. So I remember our first time
1: viewing. We're dorks. Uh, so this is for both of us for Jurassic Park. Um. so the first time we saw it it was on uh, home video because uh, I mean when it came out on home video I knew about it like it looked cool but I was still pretty young
4: wait wait you didn't see this in theaters? Not the first
5: Jurassic Park uh, we saw Lost World. I was World. way too young to see this in theaters 94
0: 93,
1: you were five?
4: 93, 94 that's fair no 94 is when, I, 93 is when it came yeah, out yeah so I was like so you were four. Anyway,
1: I was like seven. Eric was like four. So, I mean, I wasn't, wow. I wouldn't say I was too young. I just didn't go see it. We, I saw Lost World in theaters. Uh, we all did. But uh, anyway, we were, it was on home video. We were at uh, my grandpa John and Grandma Irene's house. Um, they had just had their sunroom edition built on the back of the house recently. And we were hanging out there. It was a Sunday. And we went over to the mompa video store right down the street, rented Jurassic Park. Uh, cause it was relatively new out and watched it on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember, uh, just being like amazed. I was like, Whoa, these dinosaurs, like I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, I was a little, uh, scared in a couple parts, you know, it, not that it's like a horror movie, but you know, at the time when it was seven or eight, I was like, Whoa, I haven't, you know, I haven't really seen dinosaurs eat people like this anymore. I was used to fucking land before time, not too long before this. So you know, kind of blew me away, but yeah, it was reminding Eric. I was curious <laughs> to hear if Eric remembered it because uh, obviously he's a couple years younger than me. So uh, not a clue. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sounds like he doesn't. <laughs> but we were
1: all there. That was the first time. Uh, you know, I'd seen clips and stuff like through either trailers or right. um, TV ads, and uh, but that was the first time watching it. You know, home video back in the uh, grandparents' house.
4: Okay. Well, I saw this at Golden Ring with my cousin T. Oh, not with
1: Sean. And
4: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sean was probably there. Not the same showing, but, you know, I'm sure he saw it at Golden Ring. But actually, I actually saw this at the uh, the Infamous Now, if you're, you know, a long time listener on the show and get that joke or reference. um, Yeah. At, at some point, I actually, too, went to Golden Ring and this is where I saw Jurassic Park Uh, like I said me and my cousin and yeah just taken back by everything I had just witnessed because I had never seen anything like that before in my life before that and um, it's definitely a moment I will never ever forget Um, that being said let's jump into story time tell me a story wait like my
2: story no not your story a story Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go.
4: I got a story that kind of ties into my first time seeing this, and, uh... Actually involves someone that you know, someone from the neighborhood growing up, Brent Emmerich. Of all <laughs> the names I was going to mef- mention on this episode, I bet you Brent Emmerich was the last one you thought you would hear. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, uh, I-, I vaguely remember the the why and how, but I was uh, at Brent's. Um... So, you know how Brent lived two doors down from Corey Cumberland? Shout out, Cumberland. Yeah. Okay. So in between that house, there used to be this, like, older boy who was, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, three or four years older than even me, and he was kind of like a dark, gothic kind of kid. Anyway, (laughs) I remember being in his living room with Brent Emmerich, and he and Brent had just got back from seeing it with either his family or Brent's family, one or the other, And they proceeded to go and just talk about the entire movie plot for detail while I'm just sitting there like, guys, like once he got to like the part with Tim and the electrical fence shit, I was like, stop. Like, what the fuck? You know, it's a good memory. And then
1: (laughs) they're going through like every scene.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, they just seen it. And I I was just, you know, sitting there like I'm never going to see this movie because at the time, like my mom wasn't going to go see that and I really didn't, you know, I was at that point, 93, so I was 9, so I wasn't really going to too many movies with you, even, so I I was kind of like banking on, eventually I'm going to see it, but unfortunately, I'm not going to get that big theatrical experience, well, about a week later if if that is when um, I got the call that my cousin wanted to go and every time she wanted to go to the movies, she always gave me a holler and asked if I wanted to come too so of course I obliged and saw this like I said golden ring back in May at that point it might have been June of 93 yeah cause this came out in June actually not in May because yeah I'm used to these movies coming out in May for some reason so anyway that's my story and I'm sticking to it let's open the live top five
3: Rob it's your turn okay I'm feeling kind of basic today
4: top five side ones track ones Janie Jones Clash from The Clash let's get it on Marvin Gaye from let's get it on Nirvana smells like teen spirit off of Nevermind oh no Rob that's not obvious enough not at all how about
3: uh, point of no return on point of no return (laughs) Lewis so you can uh, get up. (laughs) Shut
4: up shut up white light white heat Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list, though not and on mine. Massive Attack. No protection. The song is "Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation." So for me, it's going to be kind of a full franchise ranking because I've seen Dominion, seen King's
1: Dominion. You, yeah,
4: yeah. I, I'd imagine you two haven't yet. So nah. this is going to be just the top five for you. Well, I could so. throw
5: Dominion in there. I know where I'd, I. I figure. I think I know where I'm going to place that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not.
4: <laughs> you know what? I, I'm not gonna sit here and defend a Dominion, but I'm gonna say one little tidbit, and that is that I was, I, it was a little bit better than I was expecting. <laughs> Take that for what it's glowing, worth. Cause I didn't have metal. glowing fucking endorsement there.
1: Have,
5: I mean, I mean, when you're the are
4: highest of expectations after Fallen Kingdom. To quote,
1: uh, to pull a Justin, so, I'm not watching that shit till it's on cable with commercials. I'm pulling a fucking Justin on that shit.
4: There you go. There you fucking go, baby. Just DVR it. <clears throat> Alright, so... I'll start with my 6 and 5. Uh, number 6, obviously the worst of the series. Fallen Kingdom. It is just... You, you, you. It's hard to redeem yourself after delivering that hunk of junk. And that's me being... Mild. So, yeah, the that... I'm not getting into that whole rant again. So, Fallen Kingdom number 6. Worst of the fran- franchise by far. That being said, number 5. Dominion. Um, You know, it, it had all the potential. I mean, one thing Fallen Kingdom did do was that it at least set up, like, what was expected to be the the end-all, be-all event of the franchise. Well, pfft. No, I got more out of the 30-minute finale of Lost World than I did out of what I expected Dominion to be. Um, Take that for what it's worth. So yeah, Dominion's number five. So what's your number five, guys? And why is it Fallen Kingdom? Corey, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, sure. My number <laughs> five,
1: Uh, I mean, I think anybody that's listened to any of the fewer cast episodes knows my number five's going to be, um, shit, what's it called now? I forget. <laughs> um, it would be Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom. <laughs> See, that's how much I like that movie is. I don't even remember the title. Um, that movie, to me, is the worst sin a movie can be. And it's just fucking mediocre and boring. Like, I, honestly, I, I, I'll i watch batshit crazy. That's bad, but at least it's batshit and interesting. Fallen Kingdom. I, I remember seeing it in theaters because I, you know, as we go on, I'll get into more. But I was excited. You know, I was optimistic for Fallen Kingdom, saw it in theaters with my wife, and I'm like falling asleep. And then the fucking slasher villain dinosaur shit and the wink to the camera. I was like, no, nah, go, no, yep. go on all
5: that shit. So, yeah, easily my number five. So number five, I think is going to be, you know, it's, you know, it's Fallen Kingdom. I mean, really, I actually don't hate. <laughs> if the movie would have removed three things It would not be my number five. The wink at the fucking camera. (laughs) The fucking claw over the bed, Freddy Krueger style. Yep. And and the whole uh, laser pointer thing. Or no, not the laser pointer. Actually, I was okay with the laser pointer thing. The whole, why did they even have to have a sub story with the daughter being uh, uh, a clone? Like if that, if those three things were moved, like if that kid wasn't even in the movie this movie would not be a number five. It would probably be a number three.
4: <laughs> it's that kid did not have to be a clone.
5: The, the kid didn't have to be a clone. There was no reason the dinosaur was so comical and the end claw scene. Like you right. could have had that dinosaur tearing through the house and doing all the other dumb crap. It was doing that. All that was fine. It was, it was when the girl got in the bed and he, Freddy Krueger style, like hovered over her for, for God knows what reason, because the dinosaur is like, Oh, I'm going to scare her. <laughs>
4: Right. <laughs> so you were okay with the, the the lava being inches away from Pratt and him suddenly f- f- fighting the, the the force of tranquilizer so, whatever it is like what the fuck. There's uh, I think that's the biggest thing people movie, personally
5: let go of some of the other dumb things in the other movies. It, like that would have been its one dumb scene. You know what I mean? If you would have cut the other retarded crap out of this movie that could have been the one dumb scene that people would have just like, oh, you would have just been like, oh, that was kind of stupid. Whatever, it's, you know, for the kids, it was funny.
4: Can you imagine if Doctor Grant got shot by a tranquilizer dart in this movie, and like <laughs> had to roll around to avoid lava and shit? Yeah, well, like I'm talking about Jurassic Park from '93. What we're or about if to talk the about? Raptor like, can you imagine out? like if there was it a scene Like,
1: Dern like, ah. <laughs> yeah,
4: like if that raptor like wait before he killed you know Molden. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, no, like it's baffling to me that I'm watching this movie uh, this weekend, uh, yesterday and today. I watched it twice. And I'm watching it and, uh, fuck, man. Like, and I'm thinking about the other movies, too. And I'm like, how can you follow up this masterpiece with this shit that you gave us? How can you produce these films, sit there, film locked and edited and you're just like watching it before it goes to theaters and you're just like hmm this is fine I like this this is this is just like the original like no like god damn like the exception of Lost World granted I gonna kind of choose my word careful my wording about that movie throughout this episode kind of carefully because I haven't seen it in a while I have it now, but um, I plan on rewatching it this week while I had the next few days off. But, you know, my, my to my memory, my recollection, which is going off of like, I don't know, I, I think it's been like 15 years or so since I've watched that movie. And I remember it being fucking awesome, you know. But then again, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into it. So as of now, that's <laughs> my second like favorite. We'll get into it eventually. But as of now, yeah. So, uh, I guess it's me now. my number four. Um... Number four for me is going to be um, Jurassic World. Now, it could have been three, but three... I'll get into three in a little bit. But for me, World had all the potential in the world to be something. But it was just a rehashing of this film just with 2015 technology standards, which meant everyone... All the practical effects were replaced by CG... Um, now all of a sudden, there's a handler. And don't even get me started with fucking Pratt in this new film with, like, the amount of times. Like, his whole entire role is just him with his fucking hand stuck and sticking out. It's all it is. <laughs> Every time you see Chris Pratt, it's his hand sticking out. It's like, that's all of a sudden gonna, like stop dinosaurs and shit, be, I don't it'd know be funny as shit. you compare World to Park like Molden would be in his, in his fucking grave if he's seen like what's going on with these raptors now, like these fuckers killed me and now they're like being pets to like these wranglers and shit, like my oh my how times have changed so yeah, for all the reasons I just said plus a bunch that I don't feel like getting into, World is my number four
1: Okay, right. so my number four, uh, and I just want to specify uh, this. The, the distance between four and five here is a fucking football field. It, like, literally, <laughs> here's five with Fallen Kingdom, ten fucking feet of stack shit, some dirt, a fucking space, and then an hour to number four, which is uh, Jurassic Park 3. I don't hate Jurassic Park 3. Uh, you know, is it derivative yeah, is it just a throwaway movie? Sure, but it was entertaining at least. Like it had some cool ideas. Like the aviary was pretty cool. I mean, I was kind of pissed that uh the T-Rex gets fucking dissed in this movie, but uh and also I could have done without the dream <laughs> fucking talking dinosaur, Ellen. Like I mean, but other than that, uh Jurassic Park 3 was okay in my book, so way above fucking Fallen Kingdom.
5: So uh my my number 3 is gonna be or uh, number four is gonna be number three. So, <laughs> um, unlike Corey, I I love the Raptor dream scene. <laughs> it <makes some> movie <laughs> for me. I told you he's a fucking Mar. Jesus Christ! Uh, wow. I love that scene. It. It kills me. Every time I watch it, I like <laughs> pause it, rewind it and like blast the stereo. <laughs> Eric, if I got a show for you, you got to watch that
1: dinosaur show from uh TGIF <laughs> back in the day. <laughs>
0: if you but you're talking
1: um,
5: dinosaurs. Not most, most of the three was fine for me. What I really hated about that movie is, uh, and oddly enough, um, your, your uh, least favorite part of bad boys uh, <laughs> she ruins that movie for me. If she was not in that movie and not yelling every three seconds oh, and yeah. freaking out for no reason like she does in Bad Boys, fucking T. Uh, T. I, I literally think that's the why they're lovely. like they're like direction, act, picture Bad Boys. Go. I know. I'm
1: waiting. I'm waiting for Ed to be like, next uh, next month we're interviewing T. Leone, and I'll be like, oh
5: shit. <laughs> oh god, let's <laughs> <I mean, laughs> just listen yeah. to the Bad Boys episode. <laughs>
4: the know me.
5: The, yeah. They did a lot of cool things with 3. Um a lot of people remember it for uh think it has really bad special effects. Actually it has really good special effects. It has a I lot more say, animatronics yeah. than oh, yeah. uh, the, all the other movies. The, um and it's spliced in so well with the VFX. Um it's it, actually it's I, in my opinion it's it's actually not that bad of a movie.
4: Yeah, that's, that, that's a good segue to my number three, and that's Jurassic Park 3. And yeah, the, the number three, the third film, I mean, it, the, the effects, piggy bank of what you were saying, I, I think it's awesome. You know, there's, there's, there's no CG. Um, The problem with three is budgetary issues that, you know, clearly... It shows the film itself got reduced drastically. It's only an hour and a half.
1: It's like short as shit.
4: It's it's a 91 minute movie. And there's a reason for that. And that's because, you know, Universal, for whatever reason, you know, cut costs. And the movie suffered because of that. In the end, I think uh, Joe Conahan created a a good film for what he was, all the tools he was given. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't feel like ranting into, you know, we have plenty to talk about, about this film. So, um, that's my, I I like three. So you guys, number three,
1: my number three is Jurassic world. um, You know, I'll say I was surprised by uh, that one. Like, you know, it was coming out. I I was optimistic, but I wouldn't say I was necessarily excited for it. Um, But I was like, fuck, it's been a long time since we, um, you know, Jurassic Park had been released. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd seen Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 in theaters. So I was like, uh, you know, let's go over, check it out. And I was surprised. I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. Um, You know, Chris Pratt was just okay. I mean, you know, I. I would, I thought the Raptor idea was kind of cool having like the Raptor trainer. I like the, you know, upgraded, uh, batty as far as the dinosaur goes. I like the fact that they had everything back open and is it great? No, but I mean, it, for what it was, it was pretty good. It was entertaining and I had a good time. I mean, it was as good as the first couple. No, but it was still a good time in my opinion. If you're a fan of the franchise.
4: I take that, hang on, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you, or uh, 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 stop you before you were going to go into your number three, but I made a mistake, Joe Carnahan did not direct Jurassic Park 3, Joe Johnston directed Jurassic Park 3, the director of Honey on the Trunk of the Kids, Jumanji, the Rocketeer, Captain America, the first Avenger, he directed Jurassic Park 3, and not Carnahan for... A completely different director altogether, so my bad. So Eric, proceed.
5: Uh number three for me is going to be world. Um, not really much to say about this movie. I it's funny because three and world are kind of tied for me, but for some reason I just think world's a better movie. Uh mm. really okay. just because T.A. Leone is not in it. So I'm just gonna <laughs> stop there. <laughs> All
4: right, fair enough. Uh number two is Lost World Jurassic Park. Um again, can't really get really too much into it because I owe it a very deserving rewatch, which I will be doing in the next few days. Uh I just I'm going off of pure memory, and I remember this movie, you know, being good every time I watch it. I've never really had anything bad to say about the movie. Then again, I haven't really watched it thoroughly as the the movie person that I am today. So we'll see how it uh holds up for um today's standards I guess. My standards by for, by today's standards. Like, well, <laughs> My standards however you want to word standards. that. My standards by today's standards. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Corey.
1: My number two. Uh I have watched this one recently and it's obviously lost world um, you know, I remember seeing it in theaters, um, being really excited because I love the original so much, and I was disappointed. And I think uh, a lot of people echoed that mentality. I think overall at the time it was a disappointment. Yeah, you know, I, I remember it did fine, in, like box office-wise, but a lot of people were kind of let down, I think, just because of how amazing the original was. But upon every time I revisit it, it it's better than I remember. It, I mean, it has cool set pieces it has all the dinosaur action you would want it has fucking jeff goldblum in his prime is the lead so uh just awesome likable guy i mean am i a fan of like eco vince vaughn in the movie not really but uh overall i mean it's still like a stellar blockbuster in my opinion and one that you know i like a little bit more every time i think the um You know, everybody being let down for it was just a symptom of how good the original was. Not necessarily the quality of the sequel overall. You know, the ending, eh, a little shaky, but uh, still had a good time with it.
4: Hmm.
5: So... All
4: right. The suspense is killing me, Eric. What's your number two? (laughs) I
5: think think we're going to know. Number two is number two. (laughs) Right.
4: I I think Um, we know.
5: Number two is not a good... (laughs) Number two is a fine movie. It is not a good movie. Hold
4: up! You're sitting here saying World and Three are good movies, and then you're saying Two is a well, fine two, movie, and but but it's somehow it, above it, World and it, Three, yes, like because explain two, yourself, sir. So
5: Two has, and I, I don't know what it is. I don't know the right word to use. It as you know, it just pulls you in. It's fun. Um. The most of the characters are not annoying. Um. Uh, the, the the problem with two is the story is just not good. Um, But all the action, all the set pieces, the directing, the acting, all the pieces that make you want to sit and actually watch them, like enjoy like blockbuster, enjoy the movie. Because let's be honest, most giant blockbusters, the, the stories, I mean, the stories weren't great. But yeah, the acting, the set pieces, and all that were are good. Because that's
4: where all the money goes towards. It doesn't so, go towards the writing, obviously. Correct.
5: But the, I don't know, it's just something about two I love. I love that movie so much. Um, I think it, a lot of people hate on it, and a lot of people hate on it because they say Malcolm is a completely different character from the first movie. I disagree 100%. Uh, so that's why I think I like the Me movie too. a lot more than other people.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. Like with the whole thing of, he's not a completely different character. You got to think like in the first one, he's like the single bachelor by himself hitting on Lara during the whole time. And in the second one, he's got his daughter there. So of course he's going to be different. So well, yeah, I never bought I, that opinion.
5: I don't think it, I don't think it's really that in the first one, he mentions that he has wives, he has kids he says and, he has
4: three daughters. Yeah. And never mentions a wife. He mentions he says, cause it, cause it, well, or he's either grand or Sadler is his word. Uh, that's right. That's, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, he says he has three, three kids. has uh, If he has kids, that's right.
5: What, what I, a lot of people just don't understand is he was never attacked by dinosaurs. He never seen the carnage that he sees in this, you know, that he goes through. So that changes somebody, So, yeah, he's going to be a different person after that. And I just people are just expecting him to be the suave thing in the number two. And it's just that's not how this is going to work in real life, people.
4: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So universally, I think we all have the scene number (laughs) one. Universally from Universal, Jurassic Park, our number one for reasons we are about to get into right now. Here we go! Alright, so some brief background information before we get into the film itself. Um, Michael Crichton he began working on the novel that became the basis for Jurassic Park in the 1980s, writing from the perspective of a young boy at a theme park who was present when dinosaurs escaped. He received negative feedback from early readers and reworked the novel into an adult story. The book was published in 1990 There you go, and immediately became a hot project to buy in Hollywood. Universal won the bidding war, in large part thanks to a long-standing friendship between Crichton and Steven Spielberg. Speaking of, Spielberg was in the very, <clears throat> very early stages of pre-production for the movie E.R., also based on the uh, Crichton novel. When he heard about the Jurassic Park, he uh, dumped that. and went to make that and, you know, not that to go make J.P. instead. Afterwards, he returned to ER and helped develop it into the hit TV series that it became after 1994. Although Jurassic Park runs for two hours and seven minutes, there are approximately only 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in the entire movie. This technique was compared to the method used in Spielberg's earlier blockbuster Jaws, where the creature's screen time is minimized to enhance their dramatic impact. Actually, I should have proofread this one better because it's actually 11 minutes, not 15. It's even smaller than that. <laughs> um, And, you know, it's funny because people don't typically go back and talk about that because I think that's kind of like one of those, like, uh, Mandela things, like... They don't remember the the whole you know dinosaur movie. Not really having a whole lot of dinosaurs in it. Kind of like the whole Malcolm line. You know, there are going to be dinosaurs in your your dinosaur ride, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's just a sign of a good movie when you're sucked in and enjoying yourself and yeah, caring about the characters exactly. and story. You're not going to sit there. Well, oh, fucking T Rex there for thirty eight seconds. You know, like you're not going to sit there and think about that. You're not thinking when's the dinosaur going to show up because. I don't have an exact time, but, I mean, you know, it takes a while to get to the park before you see that first big reveal. Like, I, I mean, it had to have to be at least half an yeah, hour, 40 this, minutes into the movie.
4: This movie has two cold openings. <laughs> you know? So, Spielberg directed Jurassic Park at the same time that he was in post-production for his Oscar-winning Holocaust period drama, Schindler's List. In a 1993 interview with Entertainment Weekly, he described the challenges of working simultaneously on these two very different films. I'm sitting here working in a black-and-white medium on a Holocaust story about an unpraised hero over my head in that kind of sorrow every day. Then I have to kind of shift gears and get on the action adventure story fast track. That's been hard on all of us. The same editors have cut both movies along with me, so together we've gone through a kind of cinematic and cultural whiplash. Can you imagine that? Like Just shifting back in one hand Yeah, yeah, like you're making this depressing like black and white, like he said, sorrow, you know, the Holocaust movie. And then over here trying to make this upbeat, like terrifying dinosaur movie like what the fuck like how do you I could, balance I could just these
5: picture, two i could just picture this he's in the middle of cutting like in uh, you know just looking at a scene in schindler's list where you know and then gets a phone call so uh the scene in the cafeteria do you want the jello to jiggle
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> so you know i i, I couldn't imagine <laughs>
1: I could just uh, like to think of, like, he's in the cutting room and someone's standing outside and he takes a call, but the person outside doesn't know. And he's like, it needs more dinosaurs, it needs more dinosaurs. And they're like, what what kind of fucked up Schindler's List movie is this going to be? What kind of
4: fucking movie are we talking about, guys? That's funny as shit. Oh, man. Less than a month into the filming of Jurassic Park, the casting crew faced a real-life disaster when Hurricane Iniki hit the island of Cowie on September 11, 1991. They huddled in a bathroom in the hotel, entertaining themselves with the Victoria's Secret catalog and Spielberg's ghost stories. Wow. Sounds kind of dirty. Once the storm passed, (laughs) they were airlifted out of Hawaii and returned to LA to finish the shoot, and none of them ever uttered a word about the experience. (laughs) Just imagine the catalog again.
1: Who gets the catalog next? Uh, It's me. I'm going to the bathroom.
4: (laughs) It's passing it around. It's Bob's turn. Oh, God. The use of computer-generated imagery, CGI, in Jurassic Park represented a groundbreaking technological achievement for the film industry. As Spielberg said in a 2013 interview with Entertainment Weekly, it changed Spielberg... Spielberg... It changed special effects forever. (laughs) It blew Spielberg Spielberg. forever. It sure did. It changed special effects forever. And for better or worse, it really did introduce the digital era. The film won three Academy Awards at the ninety-four Oscars: Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects. <laughs> it's all Schindler's three films.
1: <laughs> for best picture.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine, like both of them side by side. Like you got the dramatic black and white. You got a fucking oh, T Rex roaring. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win?
5: <laughs> Spielberg's just this like, got this in the Rex bag this war. year,
4: guys. <laughs> oh, God, it's funny as shit. Um, see, so, yeah, essentially all three uh, categories that I was nominated for, they won. So it's got that up its hundred uh, belt. <laughs> <laughs> up its ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's up its ass, that's right. So one of the most famous CGI dinosaurs in the film is the Brachiosaurus, who jumps on his hind legs to reach leaves at the top of a tree. Spielberg revealed in a DVD commentary that the move was anatomically impossible for the real dinosaur to do, based on its bone structure found by a real-life paleontologist. The CGI team shrank the digital creature's hind legs to allow him to perform the bit of movie magic. John Williams, talking about the score, he, uh, did it at the end of February of 93 and recorded it a month later. He felt he needed the right pieces that would convey a sense of awe and fascination, given it dealt with the overwhelming happiness and excitement that would emerge from seeing live dinosaurs. This was also the film, the first film, to, uh, use DTS, digital surround sound. The, uh, the film broke opening weekend record it broke the opening weekend record that was set previously by Batman returns just a year prior which we'll be talking about later on this week
1: i was going to say ironically
4: <laughs> i know right so this one's great it had perhaps the most rigorous marketing campaign ever conducted for a movie up to that point Costing up to sixty-five million dollars, including licensing deals with a hundred companies to market a thousand products. This shit was
1: everywhere, mm-hmm. fucking merchandise. Everywhere. I remember at Ocean City around this time, like every shop.
4: Oh God, Ocean
1: City, Maryland, a vacation spot by. A- well, that's how
4: they are. All them beach houses, they they jump on whatever's, like, niche that summer, and, like, they just fucking ride its coattails and shit, because they can. Yeah,
1: I literally, in one of the stores, I felt like I was in a Jurassic Park store. Like, it was just, like, literally Jurassic Park (laughs) everything. You walk
4: in, you hear fucking T-Rex roaring at you. So merchandise with the uh, Jurassic Park name on it included Toys... Calendars, making of books, action figures, bread, yogurt, fast food, video games, a deal with McDonald's for diner sized meals, a junior novelization, comic books, a Jurassic Park discovery center at Islands of Adventure, shirts, etc. Although this led to somewhat blasé reaction when the film premiered, the marketing turned Jurassic Park into a box office phenomenon and toppled E.T., uh, previously Steven Spielberg's most commercially successful movie, um, as the top dog at the box office. It said the marketing cost more and made more than the movie did, setting a new record for tie-ins, over a thousand individual deals that generated over a billion dollars in revenue.
1: I just remember all the dinosaur figures have, like, the damage that could, like, you know you could have the dinosaur
4: yes. fighting and
5: then a piece of it would fly yeah. off i just we remember had the t uh, rex uh, we had the t rex they had the chunk that came off of it yeah you
4: saw you saw the rib cage inside mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty cool uh, and finally the film grossed 402 million dollars in the us and just over a billion dollars worldwide Steven Spielberg made two hundred and fifty million dollars from this movie, the largest sum any individual has ever made from a movie.
1: This is early nineties money, so that's like insane. A, a billion dollars today, like that's a benchmark for like these big IP movies, but back then. Today's it's numbers of. that's like
4: four hundred and fifty million. That's like an additional two hundred million dollars today's by today's structure. That's fucking nuts. Just because he directed a movie about dinosaurs that only had dinosaurs in 11 minutes of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But still, I love it. Alright, so the film kicks off and I I gotta say at the top here, I love the quiet sound of nature during the Universal logo. But as soon as the main titles start, there's that crescendoing dark theme. As we open on Isla Nublar, 120 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. Team of iGen workers, InGen, not iGen, InGen workers, led by Bob Pex, Robert Molden, loading a velociraptor into the park when she rams the opposite end of the cage she's trapped in, causing it to roll back, and for what he, you know, if he, he like, grabs one of the workers, she pulls it inside, Shoot and, uh, Muldoon's got him. He's like, grabs. He's like, trying to hold his hand and shit, but he's like, losing his grip. And you can see it in slow mo as like the fa- the scene's fading to like outward and like, shoot, shoot, there's like 30 armed men standing around before all hell breaks loose. And this poor handler still eats it. Like, what the so fuck? What a team. Th-
5: this is the bet. Like, this is one of the things that he changed from the book that's for the better. In the book, it's like a whole chapter about, you know, they fly a guy to a doctor in Costa Rica and they ask what happens and they just say, you know, uh, I I forget what it was, bulldozer accident or bobcat or whatever it was. But Mm -hmm. here they just show you and then it's over that much quicker and you understand what the heck's already happening. You don't need this whole giant mystery.
1: Yeah, that's just the difference between mediums. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a huge thing. I I would like to imagine like... uh, Gregory Peck, like, taking, um the guy that got mauled, like, he got mauled by a bulldozer. <laughs> like, help this guy please. <laughs> right. But, um, I just want to note, like, uh, you don't see any dinosaur here, obviously. You get the sound effects and, you know. Right. It, but it's just You see,
4: no, you, a, see the you, you see the Her eyes. Yeah. You, see the, you eye. see the
1: eye. But what I mean is you don't get, like, a full reveal or anything like yeah. that or any major Like, like
4: a silhouette as, as she's running across the cage. Yeah, you get, like, a the...
1: quick glimpse, you get the sound and then, obviously, the intimidation yeah. factor of the fact that it just fucking ate this guy when there's like a whole group and it just builds up that uh intensity is you know in true spielberg fashion
4: i wonder if InGen matches 401ks <laughs> or, they, or if they offer dental
1: send his family a fruit basket like that's probably what they said after the guy got eaten
4: <laughs> a, a, a 30-day membership to the jelly of the month club
1: <laughs> that's the gift that keeps on giving clark
4: the whole year <laughs> Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but didn't the book actually open with how the Lost World opens, with a little um, kid getting attacked by the little the, pecky dinosaur thingies that we don't even see in this film at all?
5: Uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm not. I can't remember if the book or something opens, similar that 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 scene happens in the book. Um, yes, but. I believe the opening is the uh, the mo- the worker going to Costa Rica. I I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I believe that is the opening, and then they talk okay. about the compy uh, biting the girl.
4: Yeah, I just remember that scene. You know, being used from a incident from the first book and not that new book at the time. It's still crazy that, that fucking he was convinced to write that book just for the movie instead of just saying, <laughs> "Hey, write the screenplay." You know, yeah. no, just write this book so I can take more credit and just adapt it. It, it makes th- that <laughs> the,
5: the, the the second book is it's something. <laughs>
4: I don't even think I've read the second book. I honestly don't. I can't remember if I did or not. Probably no. All right, so we cut to the Dominican Republic. Um, it's the. Mano de Dios Amber Mine. We got the lawyer Donald Gennaro being pulled across the river by locals. And there he is under the impression that he's meeting his client John Hammond about the accident that we just saw. But he's, you know, nervous about the safety of the park. Hammond's investors want expert approval before they continue to fund the project. Instead, He's greeted by a paleontologist who shows him a chunk of bark with an old mosquito inside, and this is amber bark.
5: So, so two little quick things I want to add about this scene: one, one when, uh, when he's getting, being pulled across the uh, river or lake or whatever that is, um, right. in Spanish, the the guys actually bet if he's gonna fall on the rocks as they're walking him to the mine. <laughs> <laughs> They, they bet a few pesos. I forget the exact yeah. amount or whatever they say. But no they're like, I bet, bet you like 50 pesos he falls. Right. That's great. <laughs> um, and then Gennaro um, in the book actually initializes the uh, prompt to of getting the inspectors and all to the island. He's the one that wants everybody to go there. He's the one that distrusts Hammond at this point. Um, and Gennaro is drastically different, in my opinion, in the book. A uh, much better character in the book. I hate Gennaro in this movie.
4: Well, in the movie, he's actually played by character actor Martin Ferrero. Hmm, Gennaro played by Ferrero. And I remember this guy PTA, very baby. well. He is in my favorite film of all time, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes, Corey. PTA. He is the clerk from the hotel that the or the motel...
0: Got <laughs> a nice he watch.
4: Convinces him with the watch. <laughs> yeah, I just seventeen dollars and a really nice watch.
5: The, the actor is actually really good in this movie. I just hate the way that they rewrote the character. Yeah,
1: you hate the character. Yeah, yeah, I, that made sense. Oh right,
4: I know. But no, um, hold on one second.
5: <laughs> well, why? Why we hold? Uh, another cool thing about this scene is this is another good expedition dump. Uh, right on you. They they use the absence of Hammond to re-explain everything to you really quickly.
4: Yeah, good eye. I didn't really catch that, but you're right. Now that I think about it, um, at least he's doing this like uh, intelligently. Like I just don't like it when like this blatantly this pile on this exposition dialogue in front of you instead of you know just being a smarter screenwriter i guess uh but in in this case you know i like this and like i mentioned before that we're gonna get it to the uh the mr dna character like the cartoon like it's it's that's they're both intelligent ways of you know doing this and if it's done smartly you know then i got no problems with it so anyway back to the film um we get to well, we have our uh Sadler and Grant introductions. They're discovering raptor fossils at their site in Montana. Correct. I didn't write their location down. They're in Montana, right? I believe so. I thought I thought, okay. So, um Freddie Krueger's son from Elm Street Five comes over. He's mocking them about it, calls it a turkey before Grant cuts him down uh real quick with uh that the real truth in rather graphic matter uh, as to what would happen if he encountered a hungry raptor cough cough foreshadowing cough cough half
3: moon shaped bones on the wrist it's no one of these guys learn how to fly (laughs) no seriously (laughs) well maybe dinosaurs have more in common with present day birds than they do with reptiles look at the pubic bone turned backward just like a bird look at the vertebrae of air sacs and the hollows, just like a bird. And even the word raptor means bird of prey.
2: That doesn't look very scary. <laughs> More like a six-foot turkey. <laughs> a
0: turkey, huh? Oh, no. Okay. I Try
3: know. to imagine yourself in the Cretaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. He moves like a bird, lightly bobbing his head. And you keep still because you think that maybe his visual acuity is based on movement, like T Rex, and he'll lose you if you don't move. But no, not Velociraptor. You stare at him, and he just stares right back. And that's when the attack comes. Not from the front, but from the side. And the other two raptors, you didn't even know were there. Because Velociraptor's a pack hunter, you see. He uses coordinated attack patterns. And he is out in force today. And he slashes at you with this. Six inch retractable claw, like a razor, on the middle toe. He doesn't bother to bite your jugular like a lion, say. No, no. He slashes at you. Here. Or here. Oh, well. Or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. The point is, you are alive they start to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect.
0: Okay.
4: Helicopters arrive, or a helicopter arrives, rather, and just fucks their whole entire site up. Now, here's the thing I don't get. Now, this is obviously a chopper from John Hammond, who is, we're led to believe, would at least know enough to not have his chopper fly down where they're Digging up fossils, and there's clearly a big old field of bones just laying there. Like, why would you not have him? I don't know. It's just a little nitpick here. It's not. It doesn't change my opinion or take of this film whatsoever. Just having some fun. That's all. But you know,
5: I just took it as he it, didn't it, give a shit. <laughs>
1: he's just like,
5: I want to open my park. I don't give a fuck yeah, about. Yeah, he's your so dead so stressed hey, out with the uh, inspections and stuff that he just doesn't care.
4: Oh, Hammond's a little old man with a heart. Come on. He's nothing like the character in the book. I'll tell you that yeah, much. The,
5: the, yeah, the character in the book's completely different. Well, not completely different, but a lot more stone
0: cold. He's,
4: yeah, because the character in the book's not played by Richard Attenborough. That's why. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy just, just, just adds so much, but we'll get into it later on. So, he asked them to sign off on the idea of the park before changing his mind and offering them a chance to head to the park with him instead. Um... Yeah, because they, they, they get to... The, the the chopper pilot, whatever, points towards their little... Uh, camp or whatever the hell they're in, little setup or office. So they go in there, and it's, it's Hammond, and um, he's just helping himself to, you know, silverware and shit, because he pops their champagne that they had saved for uh, a later day. And, you know, he says, you know, what better time to use it than now? Because he's got this idea that he wants to propose to them and rather get their approval by hearsay, he just invites them, just come with them to the park right then and there. Just drop your stuff, come with. And that's what they do. The, uh, I don't know. When they are joking around, little random notes about this scene here, Sam Neill his new zealand accent really shines when he says sure baby smell when i just it stands out right there new zealand thick and thin they
5: smell baby smell yeah <laughs> yeah his, his accent comes
1: through uh, several times to- like i remember as a kid watching this i was like his accent is off or something like i obviously i didn't know i think he's british um, where he's from But yeah, like, it definitely wasn't, like, I wasn't getting
5: American, though, when I was a kid. I was like, this is off a little bit. So, um, in the book, Ellie and uh, Grant are not a couple. Uh, Grant is much older. Um, Ellie is a student, and Grant actually likes kids.
4: (laughs) Dr. Grant was modeled after paleontologist Jack Horner, who, like Grant, digs and teaches in Montana— and was also a technical advisor on the movie. While Laura Dern was Spielberg's first choice to play Sadler, future House of Cards star Robin Wright was also offered the role, according to author Duncan Shea, who wrote a book about the making of the film. Wright turned it down, clearing the way for Dern to give one of her most famous performances.
1: <laughs> Robin Wright's manager. Run, Grant, run! Well,
4: (laughs) she was definitely known at this time. She just, yeah, she didn't have Forrest Gump under her, you know, belt. So she didn't, wasn't as noticed. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe this could have been the role that could have put her on the map. And Forrest Gump could have been, you know, a nice follow-up or something. But I also feel like she's kind of young, because Robin Wright, I mean, I, I I remember seeing her as far back as like the mid to late '80s in Princess Bride. I think I think that's '87. I'm pretty sure the Princess Bride is the first movie I recall seeing her in. And then State of Grace, I can't recall. State of Grace is '89 or '90, the film where she met Sean Penn. One set, and the rest is history <laughs> <I> <laughs> between I those two. That was
1: the movie she met Sean Penn? Like, I thought that was what the movie was about, the way you said oh, it. Oh, right, yeah, it's, it's, it's
4: biography. But no, um, I don't know. So let's, let's get back on topic here. Steven Spielberg <laughs> considered Richard Dreyfuss for the role of Alan Grant, and Kurt Russell also apparently turned the role down due to salary demands. Can you imagine either of these two in this role?
1: I just imagine Kurt Russell, like, fighting the dinosaurs with his bare fucking hands. Like, <laughs> just, like, punching them and shit. Like, I got it, guys. Like, <laughs> I, like can't, fucking I, Jack I can't see that.
5: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think they would have been fine. They would have been a tougher Grant, I feel like. They would have been, you know. Yeah. I, I think I Russell's in the Same. wrong
4: movie. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Dreyfus, I can see, and I, I get the connection with him and Spielberg.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, Dreyfus and Neil both have like that scientist feel to them. Like I think mm-hmm. that's what adds credibility yeah. to Sam Neil in this role, is he has that intellectual uh scientist type feel. And I think that's why it works.
4: Yes, yes, yes. All right, so Jurassic Park lead computer programmer Dennis Nedry is shown meeting with a rival associate of Biosyn. This is the company that <laughs> Newman. Yeah, Newman. But yeah, Bison's a company that just kind of goes away. I I can't remember if they're brought up in the Lost World or not. Maybe they are. Forgive me if they are. I don't remember.
5: They are never mentioned by name until the newest. They're movie. in. I was going
4: to say they are the. As, as a matter of fact, Dodson, this character here who he meets with, is the villain. Dodson's here. <laughs> Dodson's the villain for Dominion. Spoiler alert.
3: You shouldn't use my name, you know, Dodson. Dodson. we've got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. Nice
4: hat. They recasted him. It's not this, whoever this guy is. I don't know who this...
5: Yeah, from what I hear, this guy was uh, definitely not a good choice. <laughs> but no,
4: um, Campbell Scott is uh, plays him in the new film. And even Campbell Scott, I felt, was kind of a miscast. Not really to talk about Dominion too much here. But Campbell Scott, when I think of Campbell Scott, of course, Singles is the first film film that comes to mind but like uh, there's a lot of roles he's kind of in forever Young's another one I remember him being in but I I don't know being this ruthless like CEO like villain character like it just I, I don't know
1: do they have like Barbasol shaving cans that are like fucking bombs in the new movie or there's, something like that's just what I'm thinking of
4: <laughs> so I was dying young not forever young Got my, my young movies mixed up. No one cares. Shut up! I do. I I like to correct myself <laughs> when I'm wrong, but no. Uh, to answer your question without spoiling it, um, there's a reference. There's a there's a gag. Let's just call it a sight gag, um, with the barbed steel can. So that's all I'm gonna say. I knew
1: they were gonna throw that shit in there because all I that had movie to. is gonna to. be as a fucking uh just a nostalgia run. Like remember that? Remember that? <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh yeah, and you do get that. So, the um yeah, so they're at, they're at this outdoor Costa African restaurant. Nedry's uh recently become dissatisfied with his treatment by Ingen, so he agrees to steal dinosaur embryos for uh, Dodgson for a total of one point five million dollars. Dodson, we got Dodson here. <laughs> Does not like and, uh, He doesn't like his his name being used. What can I say? I love Wayne
1: Knight in this movie. He, he, he I forgot how much uh, he adds. Like it just in his
5: limited role.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, it's really limited.
4: He's only in like three or four scenes. That's it. He he.
5: I I. This weird. This movie's a weird movie. And he's like, if you had to pick a villain for the movie, he is like your only villain.
4: Okay. Yes. Thank you. I wanted to bring that up too. Um. Let's bring. Let's talk about that. Who is the villain of this movie? And, and that's what I was thinking. That's what, that's where the thought, the question stemmed from. Cause I'm watching this and there was a scene where he's riding frantically driving through the rain and shit and, you know, and I'm like, Hmm, is Nedry supposed to be the main villain of this movie or, and, cause he's only in a handful of scenes, but if, if you really, it's, a,
5: it's the same way as in the book he's like the only real villain. Now in the book, there's a lot more, you know, people are a lot more corporate in the book, but in, in the movie, he's your real own villain. And, and besides Malcolm, and we'll talk about the scene later, but there's a scene where they're eating the food and the, uh, before the Raptor pen, where Malcolm kind of really nails who the main villain is, which is the people not taking responsibility for the things they've created.
4: And you believe that being the villain?
5: That should—that's really the villain of the of the movie—is that they they took something and just ran with it instead of just understanding it and really taking full responsibility for it. It is, you know, Hammond, Muldoon, uh, Arnold; those are the real people. If you had to pick
4: uh, villains, because they
5: they thought nothing mm. of what they've done.
4: You left the big one out, my friend, Woo, who I feel is the villain of the franchise. <laughs>
5: Well, in 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 the movies, yes. In the book, he
4: he's actually,
5: and he's not really a villain.
4: He gets killed in the book. Raptors. We'll talk him. about
5: more of Wu later in the genetics scene okay. because that's fair. I feel like that's yeah,
4: that's fair. Make it you know tie in with the the scene. So the uh, helicopter ride to the island, aka Jurassic Park, is on Nublar. The first dino encounter they have here with the Brachiosaurus. Dude, let's talk about this. This is the fucking money shot of this movie here.
1: This is like textbook why Spielberg is a fucking master. You know, say what you will. Like, does he make movies for the mainstream? Yes. But the man is a fucking master at his craft. Like, this is how you do a reveal, like, having the fucking character's reaction. And then, you know, like having a close shot on them and then peeling back and showing the dinosaurs and then finally giving you that money shot of having the characters and the dinosaurs like this is how you fucking do a reveal. Not just, hey guys, like, and you see the dinosaur like this is why this shit is so epic. And obviously the score as well.
4: It's like watching this scene. We are all Ian Malcolm when he says he did it. The crazy son of a bitch did it. Like we're all him right now thinking about that with Spielberg. This is just magical with this moment here. It's just so wonderful to watch. I love it every single time. Never gets old. Um, See, so yeah, we cut to the small theater where they're shown the dino DNA cartoon.
2: What? What? Oh, Mr. DNA, where did you come from? From your blood. Just one drop of your blood contains billions of strands of DNA, the building blocks of life. A DNA strand, like me, is a blueprint for building a living thing. And sometimes, animals that went extinct millions of years ago, like dinosaurs, left their blueprints behind for us to find. We just had to know where to look. A hundred million years ago, there were mosquitoes, just like today. And, just like today, they fed on the blood of animals, even dinosaurs. Sometimes, after biting a dinosaur, the mosquito would land on the branch of a tree and get stuck in the sap. After a long time, the tree sap would get hard and become fossilized, just like a dinosaur bone, preserving the mosquito inside. This fossilized tree sap, which we call Amber, waited for millions of years with the mosquito inside until Jurassic Park scientists came along. Using sophisticated techniques, they extract the preserved blood from the mosquito and, bingo, dino DNA. A full DNA strand contains three billion genetic codes. If we look at screens like these once a second for eight hours a day, it'd take two years to look at the entire DNA strand. It's that long.
0: It's
2: full of holes. Now that's where our geneticists take over. Thinking machine supercomputers and gene sequencers break down the strand in minutes. And virtual reality displays show our geneticists the gaps in the DNA sequence. We use the complete DNA of a frog to fill in the holes and complete the code. And now we can make a baby dinosaur.
4: So, yeah, this is right over here in my notes the the, the DNA cartoon with Spielberg's way of um, condensing much of the novel's exposition into a few minutes. You know, it's pretty much how this comes off. So, that's.
1: And it, and it fits because it's like a theme
4: park, you yeah. know,
5: essentially is what he's going for. So, I
4: think. It's smart. You know, I
5: think it fits.
1: Yeah.
4: It's like I said earlier. I'm going to
5: cover a lot, of, a lot of things really quickly. Go. Go. Uh, the helicopter scene coming down Spielberg foreshadows the making it work by the same gender with the seatbelts and the helicopter. A lot of people. Play I've that always out.
4: noticed that the two females with with Grant.
5: Um, and this is where we, it, you're right. The, uh, the DNA was not in the book. This is where he does a huge expedition dump, but it done in a very clever way. It is. I love it. Uh, um, and then this is where we meet Wu, mm-hmm. who is in the book. He is one of the, you know, main characters but in my opinion, he's not. I mean, just like everybody else. He should take responsibility for what he's done. But in the book, he actually has a meeting with Hammond talking about how he wants to make the dinosaurs less less lethal and slower, because you know it would. This is not you know with how ferocious they actually are. It will scare people more than wanting people to enjoy
4: them. Mm. All right. Um. And so, yeah, they they're in this this whole like ride slash theater experience. And they've got res- they've got these restraints that they're in this like rapid action packed ride or something, and they like easily just prop them up coming up. So yeah, and it's here Grant and Malcolm help themselves to lifting up the restraints to uh, enter the lab where we see a baby Velociraptor being born, and this is where it's said that there's no uh, there's no unauthorized breeding in the park because they're have all designed, they all designed by the animals to be female. We're explaining this by B.D. Wong's Dr. Wu. We hear Malcolm say the famous words, Life finds a way. That will eventually become the official tagline for the franchise in the coming episodes, or uh, decades. Um,
1: <laughs> the franchise finds a way. Fun, That's more like it.
4: Fun fact. The newborn baby was supposed to be a triceratops originally. It was changed to be a Velociraptor because reasons. Um, uh, Feeding time for the Raptor. On today's menu, a bull. Get yourself a man who looks at you the same way that Hammond looks at Grant. The way he just um, looks at him, dude, it's like... He's like, ah. Yeah, it, it's
5: weird. He like, this, it, it, it's it, he's in the background. He's just, like smiling and nodding, like, mm-hmm.
4: and the way Spielberg <laughs> focuses on it, like, what the fuck am I watching right here? Like, am I supposed to read into this somehow? Like, okay. Uh, but yeah, get yourself a man who looks at you the way Hammond looks at Grant, as the rapper's feeding on the bull. So Grant and everyone's introduced to Muldoon. They should all be destroyed. He says that they're fully lethal at only eight months and show problem solving intelligence, especially the big one, who we only hear about but never see in this movie. I mean, we see, but OK, this, it's never this is never pointed out which
5: one's the big one. A lot of people think it's the one that chases Ellie in that uh, maintenance area. I think it's the but one who kills never, Muldoon. It's never said. I, I, that's I think it's I the think. one who
4: kills Muldoon. The one he says clever girl to.
5: That's the one I think is the big one.
4: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's it. Why else would you focus in on it before the kill? That's I agree. Yeah. Anyway, so during the lunch break that they all have, Alan, Ian, and Ellie start to express doubt in the park after the initial shock has worn off. Ian questions the ethical morality and cloning species that have not lived for millions of years, something he calls a rape of the natural world,
0: <laughs>
1: this is Goldblum like at his finest. Like this is why I like Goldblum in this movie. His character, just you know, hearing him the Goldblum ramble, like, and you made it, and you packaged it, and you sold it. <laughs> like it, I, just I just love his all. It's here. his delivery.
4: It's his delivery.
1: It's his delivery and it's also, you know, adding a little something like, is it just surface level commentary, you know, on like man and nature and science? Sure. But it adds something to like a blockbuster movie. It would normally just be brain dead, you know, so I, I'll i take it in my opinion.
5: So they lift in the book. Uh, this is the speech and the speech where they're with B.D. Wong is directly from the book. Uh, a couple gold bla- bloom flares added to it. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much lifted right from the book. Um, two quick things the uh some movie f-ups the arm that moves a, a raptor egg just miraculously disappears from seeing the scene a lot of <laughs> people miss it and then um Never the raptors that. a cool a cool tidbit a lot of people think that's just where they keep the raptors is where they fed them that is the holding pen they actually have a raptor uh viewing or raptor area like all the rest of the animals yeah they say it they, they, all- they talk about it and I'll point that out the, where the actual Raptor holding area or the actual Raptor area is later in the movie.
4: Yeah. It's something you don't see, but we hear them talk about the Raptor pen. They call it. I mm-hmm. thought
1: they held him in the fucking power station. Judging <laughs> by the way the movie
5: goes. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that way.
4: Um. See, so yeah, Ellie expresses concerns that the scientists may not be thinking of the repercussions that might occur. Of what they are cloning. Alan remains uh, fairly neutral in the issue though he advises John to be careful. Donald is the only one who completely approves thanks to the amounts of money that he could make off the island. Hammond puts it eloquently I don't believe it. You meant to come down here and defend me against the two characters and the only one I have on my side is the blood sucking lawyer. I fucking love that line. Mm
1: -hmm. And I love the fact that a lawyer like He's like, we could charge whatever we want, and then Hammond, you know, obviously wants the most people to come to the park. We could have coupon day, like coupon, literally all the yes. work is a shit. It's all, all about marketing, about money. Day. It's, all he cares about is marketing. <laughs> it's all
4: about money. Um, sounds
1: like fucking Disney, coupon day. Jesus, like does.
4: Jesus, it really does. Uh, no, that's what I wanted to talk about earlier when I had a brain fart. Um, so Goldblum, okay, and you know, Corey, you were just talking about you know the way. he you know, delivers dialogue and this and stuff. I like to think of Goldblum like walking. They've got their own way of speaking. That's just them. It's like a unique characteristic that they have that not everyone, you know, carries, quite frankly. Um, you mean
5: the ums and the ums?
4: It's the way they speak, and it's just—it's different. It's not the way people and the typically bloom, draw, like, talk. Growl, he's
5: like ha ha
1: ha.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like he, that shit. I cannot
4: yeah. really, and don't even ask me to do an impression because I'm not about to start. But they both just—they have their own little uni- unique way of communicating that I just find so—I don't know—astounding. It's—it's just—it makes them. If- the unique bastards that they are.
5: If anybody's ever got time, this is the time where you look up the YouTube video where it's just a song of Jeff Goldblum from this movie with the ooms, the ums, and the growls. It's, it's hilarious.
4: I <laughs> have to look it up myself. Shit. So after lunch, John's two grandchildren, Lex and Tim Murphy, arrive. John's grandchildren join forces with the crew, and they take a tour through the park in electric tour vehicles consisting of two 1992 Ford Explorer XLTs. Both <laughs> I like them, the
1: fact that—I'm oh, sorry, I thought you no, right. i was going to say, no. I, like how, I like how Grant is like just trying to get away from the fucking kids. He's like, which Tim. one are you riding in, yeah. Tim? <laughs> yeah, he's obsessed
4: with him and he's just trying everything he can to get the fuck away. Like him and, uh, when it comes to kids, him and Sadler, or him and Ellie are on completely different sides of the spectrum. Like, just differences all, just, yeah. Um, both of them instantly take a liking to Alan, who doesn't appreciate the attention, but he does not garner much interest in children. Alright, as he doesn't garner as much interest in children, but hold on to your butts
3: hold on to your butts
4: we've got a potential tropical storm brewing although hammond proceeds with the tour anyway which i kind of question this decision knowing that he's got two grandchildren that are a part of this tour he's just like i'm optimistic that this potentially dangerous tropical storm is just gonna you know pass down south or something
1: Hey, Ed, they spared
5: no expense. I mean, I mean, in all fairness, he was just like, <laughs> okay, well, if the storm comes, we'll just call him back. Like, he didn't think, you know, all the crap that's going to happen in this movie is going to happen. He didn't think Newman was going to screw him.
1: I was going to say,
4: like, this movie would not exist if it weren't for fucking Nedry. Like, can you watch, imagine this film, watching it, if the version of Nedry actually doing his job and not fucking over the park, like, we wouldn't have a movie. It would just be them riding out a fucking rainstorm. Then the next day they go through the tour as planned and we have a little flat a little f- fast forward, you know, five years. We see how Jurassic Parks become this, you know, multi-billion dollar conglomerate.
5: <laughs> that- yeah, why couldn't he just call the investors and be like, yeah, uh tropical storm's about to hit the island. We had to evacuate. We're gonna do the inspection next weekend. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> like, I don't
4: know. I don't know. <clears throat> but it's just weird, questionable, a little bit different, a little bit out of character I guess you could say so let's talk about the kids real quick and who they actually you know pl- were played by so Lex Ariana Richards sh- her audition consisted of standing in front of a camera and screaming wildly Steven Spielberg that's literally
1: all they wanted <laughs> somebody who yeah. could scream that's it he wanted to Pretty see how she could show fear
4: <laughs> and then uh, Joseph Mazzello who is uh, Tim he actually auditioned previously for Hook a couple years earlier, but I can see that didn't yeah. get. Yeah, he didn't get the role of Jack. obviously he was auditioning for with Jack. Who else would it be? Uh, he was young, too young. Steven Spielberg told him that he was still impressed with his audition, and would try to cast him in a future project. And Mazzello was then cast as Tim, and he recalls. Stephen had me screen test with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman for Hook. I was just too young for that role, and because of that, Stephen came up to me and said, Don't worry about it, Joey. I'm going to get you in a movie this summer. Well, it wouldn't have been this summer because it was two years later, but you know. Um, in the book, I ah, here's me dropping a little tidbit. <laughs> it's Tim. Who is older than Lexi and he's actually the one who's the computer whiz. Or in the film it's her. Um, and then there's this scene here with Nedry. when you see Hammond with, you know, Arnold and shit, and they're just it's just the three of them in the room. And Hammond is like ridiculing Nedri at his computer. Have you ever noticed what he's watching? One of the many, many videos he has on there.
5: Um, no. Um, Jaws. Yes. That's what it
4: is. Yeah, he's watching Jaws in a small video window. Um, so after the push of a button, the start of an engine, and the opening of a familiar gate, the tour begins. First at a quiet Diloposaurus exhibit, and then an equally quiet and lonely T-Rex area, Sam Jackson's Ray Arnold sends up a goat to entice the dinosaur, but to no avail. We even see Malcolm mocking the camera about dinosaurs being on the dinosaur tour.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love it. There will be dinosaurs on this dinosaur tour. Like, it's I, just like, I really
4: do hate that man. <laughs> uh, now, now, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs
5: on your on your dinosaur tour, right? Hello.
4: I really hate that man. (laughs) I love that Mm -hmm. fucking scene. Uh, And then finally the crew encounter a sick triceratops who um, they got a veterinarian examining her. Because, you know, veterinarians get trained for dinosaurs all the time.
1: Yeah. And th- I want to say this is where like the work by Stan Winston, you know, obviously first stands oh, out. They, they have that massive animatronic it's right there, the breathing beautiful. and the eyes like, cause you know, the first scene, the first shot with the dinosaurs, obviously that was CG and it looked good, especially for the time considering how early this movie was. But what really blew me away in this film is the animatronics. And this is that introduction to that. and My God does it fucking look real? Like, I believe that's a real dinosaur to this day, even in high def.
5: Yeah, they do a great job with it.
4: Uh, I agree. So they, 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 everyone gets out of the vehicles to see, actually, before they get out of the vehicles, we have uh, Malcolm kind of flirting right there with Sadler uh, right in front of Grant. And he's demonstrating. Was it chaos theory? Is that what it is? Chaos theory. Yep. Yeah, chaos theory, and just open, open, openly floating with her, like right there in front of Alan, and like Alan's just sitting there, like. Nope, doop 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 doop. I'm like okay. in the
5: in the books, he he goes a step further, and basically he just looks right at her in the book. I can just visualize it. And he goes, yeah, you got great legs. Damn. That's <laughs> so it in the book.
4: <laughs> Damn. See, so, yeah, and then they all get out. And this is when I noticed the ridiculous get up that Hammond's lawyer, Gennaro is rocking. Like he's dressed like he's attending a fucking business meeting during the lockdown. Like he's like business on top party down below. He's got these like khaki shorts and like this, like long sleeve, like, you know, blazer and shit, like a suit. It's the. It must have been a nineties thing, because you'd be shot for wearing this today. Um, yeah, Alan's amazed by the sight up close, while Malcolm's amazed by the large pile of shit standing in front of him.
2: That is one big pile of shit.
4: And this storm is definitely approaching, so Ellie decides to stay behind with Jerry, the vet. While the rest of the crew head back to the explorers and go, you know, back to the visitor center. Uh while discussing chaos theory, just cutting back to that real quick, Malcolm shamelessly flirts with Ellie and it's kinda of funny because after meeting on the movie, the two began a relationship and were engaged for two years before breaking up. And I did not know that. Honestly, and I usually know stupid shit like that about most, or or I thought would be all these actors, but no, I was, to my surprise, I had no idea that Goldblum and and Laura Dern actually, like, were a couple after this movie. Um, so, it's funny too, because he was also, he also dated, um, Gina Davis after The Fly back in 86 or whatever that was.
5: So two uh, real before we bounce off these scenes here. Yeah, go for um, it. Some cool some cool tidbits. So in the book they go in and they actually tell you why the uh, the triceratopses are sick, um, and it is to do with the berries. But it's uh, they go a step further and actually say it's because of gizzard stones. So they believe dinosaurs would ingest rocks uh, and use the rocks to help digest the food in a sac called the gizzard and when they would throw them up they would consume new rocks most of the rocks Mm. were near the berries so that's when they would get sick
4: Jesus um any more tidbits you got for us from this scene
5: um the guy that actually plays the vet I believe is a producer on this movie
4: I think he is I think I do remember reading that or or something or an advisor or something I know he's the producer
5: for the Meg I I do know that
4: like the, the shark movie Fucking yes. random. That was random. <laughs> right. What the fuck? Where did that come from?
5: I don't know. I just I just know that he is because I've never watched I've never seen the Meg and I always like every once in a while I'll be like man I really want to watch that and I'll go look to see if it's <laughs> on like Netflix or HBO Max right. or something like that and I'm like damn it it's not <laughs> <laughs> next time you come over you can borrow it. it it's a fun movie it's fun and dumb. Uh
4: the first dinosaur, the uh, depicted the the first dinosaur scene depicts a sick triceratops according to Duncan Shay's book about the making of the film Stan Winston and his team had to rush to complete the triceratops puppet after Spielberg put it at the top of production schedule. Winston's triceratops puppet looked eight it took eight people to operate one person operated the eyes by remote control while the others sat in a pit underneath of the dinosaur each of the limbs were operated by a different puppeteer with others operating the mouth, tongue, and breathing mechanism. And it looks like a powerful fucking concoction that would definitely take a whole team of people to to wrangle and, and, and bring to life because, you know, for as motionless and, and, and sick looking as it's supposed to be because it's part of the film, th- this triceratops looks just... Gorgeous, outstanding! Like, I can't even think of like the ultimate word to describe it. It's just so lifelike, yeah, so real. beautiful. Like
5: it,
1: yeah, it's it just sells you on it.
4: So it, goddamn it, glorious! It, it
5: still just holds up till you know with today's standards and 4K, high def, HDR, all this other crap. It still just looks good.
1: It, and it sells you on all the other effects. Like you know, I think the fact that they blend in this movie, the effects of the animatronics and puppets and CG is what makes it because if it just had all CG especially back then I mean uh, it would probably be laughable like we would honestly if we were talking about it we'd probably be laughing about it right now
4: yeah Um, Spielberg's team included Phil Tippett a sound effects legend who worked on a whole slew of movies including stop motion animation for RoboCop and the Star Wars trilogy
1: like anything, stop motion, pretty much from like the eighties yeah, and nineties. That's what he was known was for. Phil Tippett.
4: When he learned that the many of the dinosaurs would be computer animated, Tippett said that he thought his job had become extinct. Instead, he helped make both the animatronic and CGI dinosaurs' movements feel more lifelike, earning the second Oscar of his career for his work. Well, after the film came out, Tippett's work also made him an internet meme thanks to the fame, the whole joke in the credits dinosaur supervisor by Phil Tippett yeah movie fans jokingly blamed him for not supervising the dinosaurs and letting them devour people like it was a real life thing do you remember when that became a meme because I vaguely know it was about 10 years ago or so I think um, I just remember randomly out of the blue I think people found it off of like E-bombs world or something It was just the... It's a real screenshot. It's from the movie of Dinosaur Supervisor uh, Phil Tippett.
5: No, I don't remember that being a meme. But yet again, uh, I mean, I I don't really remember that being a meme. Uh, Yeah, me neither. But it is funny.
4: (laughs) Take my word for it, it was... So, nobody's informed of the cargo that's leaving soon. So... I'm sorry, Ned, Nedry. Nedry's informed of the cargo that's leaving soon, and <laughs> he's got to get there. He says, give him 15 minutes, and he says he can't make any promises, and he hangs up. So yeah, he's got to go get the embryos still, and then rush the you know, go through the park, fight this storm. Like, realistically, he ain't making this. He's not, making this fucking shit even if
1: he
5: didn't crash he wasn't gonna make it it, off the island this makes this his logic makes no sense here and in the book it's even worse (laughs) because in the book his idea was to leave go to the boat and then come back and act like nothing happened
4: (laughs) he yeah does anything but that um let's see here so there's a whole subplot in the novel you can kind of piggyback off of me Eric since you know this shit uh, involving Nedry and his reason for betraying the park apparently in the book Nedry is not Hammond's employee but some contracted by him to create the park's security system when Hammond cheats on Nedry's pay Nedry tries to sue but Hammond instead creates a smear campaign making Nedry lose customers in the end he is forced to work for Hammond for a fraction of his pay the company Nedry was selling the, the embryos, was also trying to clone dinosaurs, but they were, they were way behind InGen, so Nedry's move was sort of payback. In the yes. end... get Go on.
5: I'm sorry. Uh, I just thought you were done. The Everything you said is true. Uh, Nedry was going to get a lot more money in the book um, from Biosyn. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I... Honestly, I like the way they portray it better in the movie um, as like Nedry's just like not doing what he needs to. I mean, Nedry is like, could you imagine now, even nowadays with the automation we have him doing what he does is insane. So if he's complaining about pay, the man was probably way underpaid. (laughs) So like I I kind of I kind of I kind of get why he's doing it, because like for him to do you know automate all these things back then build all these systems that didn't exist back then and doing all this basically by himself now he does have a team in cambridge that they mention um but yeah i mean uh, i don't know either way i think it's portrayed both ways fine i just like the movie version better oh also he's watching a quick time video of the boat
4: <laughs> yeah i noticed that dude oh my god that was just so pixelated and ugh. Um, yeah, meanwhile, with a lot of the park security system down, we learned that the tourist stranded right outside the T-Rex cage, and this is when we start hearing those familiar footsteps before the goat's bloody limb falls on top of the jeep, and the mayhem begins. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the foreboding shots of water rippling from the t Rex massive footsteps were inspired by, of all things, the band Earth, Wind, and Fire. According to Empire Magazine, Spielberg was listening to the famous army group in his car and noticed how the bass from the music created ripples in his coffee and got the idea to use liquid as a warning <laughs> for the approaching, you know, beast.
5: Yeah, so, like... So real quick, we skipped over Nedry uh, a little bit. No, no, we didn't. I No, did we? Yeah, we skipped over Nedry uh, in the Jeep. Uh, hitting the uh, posts and all that, and not that that matters. That hasn't but...
4: happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. We still that's still coming up.
5: That's still coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but
1: just real quick, I just want to say, like, how iconic is that water, like shaking like that, like it? I mean, just parody, parodied in so many films, and just kind of copied in other movies, like just. Like, how many iconic things in this film? And that's just one of them is, like, the water. It's just, like, such a brilliant little thing of, like, not showing, uh, obviously, the dinosaur yet, but getting that scale and just how fucking big this T-Rex is going to be. And, obviously, it pays off uh, uh, well with the Stan Winston animatronic. Like, the fucking scale of that thing just blows me away, like, the T-Rex. And then, obviously, the CG shots are... Good to use well with the wide shots and the long shots and the dark and the rain, but yeah, just mm-hmm. wow. Like, talk about being fucking on the edge of my seat back <laughs> when I we were watching this for the first time.
4: Yeah, dude, there are so many scenes like that. Oh, dude, it, it's it's just it's hard to keep up with them. It's there's so many like moments that are just mm. and this is just. Uh, Chef's kiss. That this whole entire sequence here. So yeah, the 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 T Rex wreaks havoc upon the roadway attacking Lex and Tim. Uh they're hiding in the car and the lawyer runs out and goes and hides in the shitter across the way.
5: <laughs> Gotta go. Gotta go.
4: <laughs> he got scared. Scared shitless.
5: So in the in the book it's a different person that actually goes on the tour ride with him. Gennaro doesn't go. Um and uh that guy gets out and actually runs and hides in the in a forest and uh doesn't get eaten at that moment um and another cool tidbit coming up we'll talk about when it happens but um the you know they weren't anticipating the amount of water going to be uh on the t-rex ah yes if you if you watch the rex it shakes, moves, and rattles. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you miss it because it's in the dark. But it, unless you're really looking for it, you don't see it. But, like, man, you could tell those guys, the the, the special effects guys, probably were, just want to punch Spielberg daily.
4: <laughs> the crew had to have daily safety meetings about the T-Rex. It weighed 12,000 pounds and was extremely powerful. They used flashing lights to announce when it was about to come on to alert the crew because if you stood next to it and the head went by at speed, it felt like a bus was going by. Occasionally and famously at that malfunction due to the rain. um, Producer Kathleen Kennedy recalls, the T-Rex went into the heebie-jeebie sometimes, scared the shit out of us. We'd be like... (laughs) eating lunch, and then all of a sudden a T-Rex would come alive. At first we didn't know what was happening, and then we realized that it was the rain. You'd hear people start screaming and all that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it sounds like it was a pain in the ass, but it, I just imagine, it was worth it.
1: I just imagine Winston and his team, like, Spielberg, if you learn fucking nothing from making Jaws, <laughs> water, and animatronics do not go together. Yeah. Jesus Christ.
4: Also, Goldblum, he was the one who came up with the idea for Malcolm to save the kids by distracting the T Rex with the flare. Because originally in the script, he was just gonna run away scared. But Goldblum's like, "Nah, fuck that, I'm a hero." <laughs> so he grabbed the they flare and was like, "Hey, look at me, come and get me!" And he just—I remember yeah, watching. So, like
5: in the book, it was gonna be a lot closer to the book. In the book, Gold—he uh, gets out of the car and runs. In the book, bu- that in the book that actually happens. He gets out and runs.
4: Oh. Okay, she so was more of a chicken shit in the book than mm. in the film. A little bit. Uh, hey, man.
1: And I just want to say, too, like, the, yeah. the kids in the um, fucking Explorer, like, when the T-Rex fucking comes down on that glass roof, oh, oh my dude. God. Like, the fucking – I can imagine them shooting that shit, like, whoever was on the other side of that glass roof with the fucking dinosaur right there, the animatronic, or however they did it. But Jesus Christ, I would be shitting my pants. Like, even – from, like, a filming perspective of having, like, the, if they had the animatronic, like, somewhat near mm-hmm. uh, somebody with the glass, I would be shitting my pants. Uh, it's such a cool shot, though, when it, like, fucking comes through the glass.
4: Well, when I first saw this movie as a kid, when I was, like, you know, always reflecting on it, the one thing that always comes to mind is this scene here and just the hell that the kids went through, and and at the time, I knew, you know, that this was a movie, and they actually filmed this, and, and stuff, so, like, I knew that these kids, at some point, had to go through, you know, this tragic peril incident that, you know, that looks like just, it's just the worst, especially when Tim, poor Tim, man, when he's trapped underneath of it and he's getting smashed down into the mud, like he's going to get buried alive. Like, that's the one that always stood out to me. Like, because I get claustrophobic easily. And, like, just watching that alone made me think, like, God damn it, no, no, Tim. Like, it's just him stuck there in the mud. His sister already got out. Um, and it's just an intense scene. It's It's one of those wicked moments that, like, you're just going to remember forever and ever. Um, It's one of the many, many reasons, many reasons why this movie is just so fucking legendary.
1: Yeah, and before we move on, I just want to say, like, Spielberg, he does a really good job of, like, just adding more shit into each scene. So, like, the dinosaur, you know, the T-Rex attacks, the jeep flips it, then you're stuck underneath the jeep. And then they get out. They climb down the wall, and then the fucking jeep's coming down the wall. Like they just cannot get away from this fucking T Rex and this jeep. Like uh, Grant and the kids are just in peril the whole time, and it just keeps fucking building. And then they end up in a fucking tree. Like it's just like tense the whole way through, and Spielberg just does it masterfully. Instead of just having the dinosaur bra, and then they just run and scream and get away or something. Mm -hmm. Like just the way he goes from. Piece to piece, like, in, in the fucking SUV, under the SUV, climbing down the wall away from the SUV, in the tree. Like, it's just <laughs> fucking awesome, like, how, how it, just one thing leads to another and it just keeps stacking. Like, what the fuck is going to happen yeah. next?
4: It's like a domino effect. It just It's never-ending for poor, you know, Alan and, and the kids. Just, fuck Alan. It's all about the kids, man, and the shit they got to go through in this sequence. It's just, it's the worst. Um, Yeah. Objects are closer than they appear. We get that scene, even though that's written on passenger side mirrors and not driver side mirrors. It's still a fun little gag. Yeah, so Lex and and Alan battle the T-Rex while the broken explorer manned by Tim is pushed over the, the edge of the enclosure and plunges down into the tree below. Now, obviously, since dinosaurs came before humans, the Jurassic Park team needed to invent what they thought dinosaurs sounded like. So, in an interview with Vulture, Oscar-winning sound designer Gary Rydstrom said that he used a mix of different animal sounds for each species, including a slowed-down recording of a baby elephant for the T-Rex. Checks out. (laughs) I mean, the sound design is one of the the top things in this movie, and, you know, without... Uh, a, a famous roar like this; these dinosaurs have like I feel like that would hurt the film substantially if you didn't have something to go by, based off of memory. And I mean, like the slightest error if you play the... could have fucked and ruined this movie. I I I don't know. Oh yeah. It, it it's it, seriously like, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. Is that the slightest issue could have just ruined this altogether.
1: Yeah, it could've definitely drug it down and you know, you played that roar, like even somebody who's not a movie fan or Jurassic Park fan, I guarantee it most people are gonna recognize that. They're like, Oh, that's the fucking T Rex. Like it's just such a iconic roar. just done so well because you're basically making
5: shit up out of thin air you know essentially so yeah add, I think the roar is perfect when, before we move off the scene I got a bunch of VFX errors and a cool tidbit
4: <laughs> so it.
5: if you're going to bounce off the T-Rex stuff uh, before we jump off of after Gennaro let me know and then we'll we'll go back
4: um no I just we're mad here okay so yeah we got Hammond sending Muldoon to retrieve his grandchildren and Ellie she goes with him. Um, then, then we get Nedry's death scene. And, you know, he he's driving frantically. Knocks her over the east dock directions. And you would think someone who's working on, like, security for the park and, like, is, like, the head programmer, pretty much, by the looks of things, the only programmer there. Don't you think Nedry would know by heart where the east dock is? Or at least know where he's going in case of idiotic emergencies like this where you just are forgetful.
5: (laughs) Yeah. They do a much better job in the book. Uh, In the book, he does not work on the Island. This is the first time he's been to the Island. Um, So it makes sense for him to get lost here. It makes no sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's just funny. Like you would never make a sign like that with an arrow that has like a pivot point in the middle In case it gets knocked over, like, it would just be fucked up. Like, you would have the... Like, it wouldn't be able to spin like that. But it does make for a funny uh, funny gag, though. (laughs) When he's fucking spitting it and he's like, oh, shit, which way am (laughs) I going?
5: All right, hey, real quick. So... The Rex, when uh, Alan is getting Lex out of the car and the Rex roars at them and their hats blow off. If you look at the Rex and you got it, you kind of got to brighten the scene a little bit. You can see the air cannon blast them with air. A lot of people don't see it. It's really hard to see, but you can definitely see the air cannon underneath the Rex's jaws just blast them with air, which is pretty cool. Um, the scene, a lot of people get don't understand the Jeep, uh, the, the car going over the ledge scene right? So how did the Rex get onto the road? And then all of a sudden you got a car just falling off the side of, you know, of the, uh, the dam. And what, what, if you were to put it on a top down view, you have where the goat is. So the Rex walks up a hill, eats the goat, walks out the fence, then knocks the Jeep over and pushes the Jeep beyond the, where the hill would be over the ledge. That makes sense. That's the only spot where the, where the where the racks can come up and be viewed right. is where that where that goat is.
4: That, okay, that makes sense. Um, see so yeah, it, Dad Nedry. So the the, the Laphosaurus, This is the dinosaur who gets him. And you know, it's funny when I was a kid watching this film for the longest time too. I thought that Nedry got killed because he pissed the Lapposaurus off after he called him stupid. Thanks, stupid.
3: Thought you were one of your big brothers. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. What do you want? What do you want? You want food? Look at me. I just fell down a hill. I'm sucking wet. I don't have any food. I have no food on me. I have nothing on me. Go on. Come on. Pipettes.
0: Pipettes. Look. Stick. See stick? See stick? Yeah. Yeah, look. Look, stick. Stick. Stick, stick stupid. That's a stick. That's Yeah. I
4: thought that maybe <laughs> he t- caught, like, some feelings <laughs> like, and was like, fuck this, I'm like, going for the kill.
1: <laughs> he's like, I'm going to let you live if you wouldn't have said <laughs> that. Get the shit. stick, stupid. Get the stick. <laughs> <on>. I just...
4: <laughs> that fat motherfucker just I, called me stupid. <laughs>
1: I just love this whole scene. It's like basically a fucking Newman from Seinfeld is like berating a fucking dinosaur. He's like, oh, I have nothing. I have no food. Nothing. It's like this angry, you
4: Ah, no wonder you're extinct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I have nothing. I, you want a stick? Here's a stick. Ah, You dumb dinosaur. Like, I just love that shit. It's so great. Wayne oh, Knight is awesome.
4: He is. he is. Yeah, Wayne
5: Knight's great. I love him. He- <laughs> He's the perfect <laughs> so fucking
4: funny. role. He's the perfect fucking actor to play this character. Uh, so yeah, the, the Dilophosaurus's fictitious venom-spitting ability and its neck frill became so iconic that in almost every other appearance of the animal in popular media, including many Dilophosaurus toys featured in at least one or two other other aspects, um, also showed the fictitious details some even leave out the dinosaur's straw striking double crest uh, from which it got its name, two crested lizard. In reality, the spitting ability was only made up by Michael Crichton, while adding the frill was Steven Spielberg's idea. In the late 20th century, scientists mistakenly thought the Lephasaurus had weak jaws due to the animal's incomplete, distorted, and badly reconstructed fossil skull and many books at the time claimed it couldn't have killed prey with its jaws. Crichton based his idea about venom spitting on these outdated theories, proposing that the life might have used venom to hunt. The spit used a paintball mechanism that actually spat from the model's mouth. The venom was made out of um, methacryl and KY jelly, with some food coloring mixed in. So, you know. Now, you know. Of course it was safe. This shit got right in his face. Direct hit all over. And he even goes and, like, doubles down by wiping it all over his fist. Like it's going to come off or something. Um, so, Steven Spielberg admits that the shot of the barbastole can falling away from Nedry and being covered in mud was intentionally inserted to set up a potential sequel. It was not until Michael Crichton's second book, The Lost World, where Spielberg then realized the story would go in a different direction. He's like, ah, fuck that can. We'll get back to it another time. Not this not this uh, time, though.
5: The, the can thing actually does come back in um, Telltale Games, who makes very story-driven games, actually uh, makes yes. their Jurassic Park game and it picks up where the can falls down
4: ah something else right i just going. want to Did say too
1: i just want to say too like as a kid i always wanted a can like that like obviously i you know i didn't have like dinosaur dna to put in it i just wanted something like that that i could hide it like just have a barbersaw can that would open up i could hide shit in like i thought that was so cool uh back then i don't know why i fixated on that but i was like i want a barbersaw can i can hide shit in i don't know why <laughs> i just always loved that part
4: Oh, and then and, um, Alan and Lex manage to get to the bottom of the enclosure. Alan must climb up the tree that holds the wreck explorer with Tim inside. He successfully rescues Tim, however, they have, an, they have an escape from the explorer where it begins falling down the tree, and he narrowly makes it out. They get to the bottom, and like, he like, drops down and ducks, literally, that's, uh, the tree stump saves them miraculously but still they survive ellie and Muldoon arrive at the scene at first they believe that the only survivor of the chaos is ian but upon further investigation they find two sets of footprints one is Alan's, and one belongs to one of the kids just then t-rex appears hi guys and ian robert and ellie barely manage to escape in the jeep featuring the famous items are closer than they appear Yada yada which talked about that briefly. Um, now when you when the T-rex first comes out, if you look closely, he's actually being pushed out on wheels and you see it on film. As they get in the trucks, or as they all get quickly get into the Explorer and and drive off, and you see him in the, there they kind of drive out of the focus, out of the screen on the right side. And on the left side, you see it start coming out of the woods. Well, he's not running; he's just being rolled out. Yeah, That's all. Being,
5: he's just. They're just like, screech 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 screech.
4: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: And the guy's driving, really shit. That T Rex has got a V eight. We got to fucking hammer it.
0: <laughs>
4: he's on fucking wheels. So that, yeah, Alan and Alan and the kids. Yeah, Alan and the kids climb up to the tree to sleep, and then we get Hammond at the visitor center reflecting over ice cream. He's joined by Ellie, who puts him in his place and doesn't kiss his ass one bit. She tells him like it is and says that uh, he's got to stop caring about the park because people are dying and his kids are out there with Alan. She then partic- She then partakes in the late night ice cream escapade as well. She says it's good, and he tells her he spared no expense.
1: (laughs) Spared no expense. He says it like fucking 50 times in this movie. I know. (laughs) Attenborough does, I love that.
4: Um,
5: Apparently he spared some expense, because there's a lot of crap wrong with this park.
4: (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, Sadler. Ellie Sadler. A lot of actresses screen-tested for her. Um, including Sandra Bullock, Gwyneth Paltrow, Julianne Moore, who would return for the sequel, Helen Hunt, Terry Hatcher, Elizabeth Hurley, and Sherlyn Fenn. Um, I mean, I know all of them. I just you know don't really have much to say. I can't really, I can't really imagine a, a Jurassic Park with Helen Hunt. Especially when she would go on to do Twister a few years later.
1: Yeah. No, I I think uh, Laura Dern was uh, the best choice out of those. I mean, I think it would have been fine with pretty much any of them, though. Really. It would just be different.
4: Yeah. Different. <laughs> so, the Brachiosaurus wakes up Alan and the kids, and he tries to feed it, and as Lexi goes to pet it, she sneezes all over her. Big old gross out scene. I used to hate watching this scene. Like, ew. Um, <laughs> dino snot. So, on the way to safety, Alan discovers a hatched egg and various baby footsteps, indicating that the dinosaurs are breeding. Uh, Alan hypothesizes that the frog DNA is responsible, as some species in the frogs are known to spontaneously change sex. In a single-sex environment, he says life found a way. So now we get a full system reset, which requires the circuit breakers to be manually manually reset. And <laughs> Now's your
1: time, Sam Jackson. Get down there.
5: The, yeah, he, he, had the, he had the compromise. So he had to say but.
4: <laughs> <laughs> say but one more time.
5: <laughs> the um when Grant finds the egg, that is the actual when he finds the egg, that is a raptor egg. That is the raptor pen. Yes.
4: Yes. The kids and Allen, they are escaping a herd of Gallimimus, which sees a T Rex just fucking come out of nowhere and attack and then just devours one off screen. Now this is a key scene that was used for kind of like the molding of the effects that they used. Um I didn't even write down the details, but just hearing the story and everything, basically what they did was the they they composited stuff, there's some stop motion, um there was some really, really uh, hard to pull off details that were included with this shot and it was also supposed to happen like the day that they got hit with that hurricane that uh, or tropical storm that i had mentioned so when alan when arnold doesn't return because he goes out first to uh manually reset the breakers Ellie, robert they follow and discover that the raptors have escaped and the shutdown cut off the power to the remaining electrical fences around the pit. Alan, or, I'm sorry, Robert realizes that the raptors are near and tells Ellie to go to the utility shed herself so he can turn the power back, so she can turn the power back on and he can hunt the raptor outside. So Alan and the kids are climbing the fence during this whole, basically this has all happened like concurrently with one another the uh, Alan Lex they get over the big T-Rex fence they climb back down as Tim's climbing the alarm starts going off indicating that the power is about to be restored and if he doesn't get down soon he is going to be shitting out of every single hole in his body um uh scenes of the T-Rex attacking Grant and the kids While they ride down the river and through a waterfall was supposed to go here in the movie. They actually had a couple of sequences that were planned, but not filmed, unfortunately. I wish they were. And uh, cut, you know, for shit. But the good news is the sequence here that I just referenced that was cut, they later used it for Jurassic Park 3 at the end. That's basically where the whole finale takes place in Jurassic Park Three. Um, with that, do either of you remember what that giant dinosaur was called in the third film? Because I feel like yeah, in every dinosaur
5: Spinosaurus S- aegypticus, the stupid the name. The fact he used. that you
4: knew that without even hesitating and just just knew it right away. Just I'm not even mad. I'm just
5: yeah he's like he's like think larger spinosaurus aegypticus and i'm like wow that's a really dumb name
4: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean am i wrong or is it the fact like since this film they try and like make a bigger badder dinosaur with the exception of lost world but in lost world's defense they kind of like double up the ante and they have like numerous t-rexes yeah there's more more t-rexes plus they have the whole san diego sequence at the end
5: i always feel like the main villain of the first three movies is actually the raptors but yeah they just they're just like here's a bigger one here's more of the bigger ones and i'm like uh, i don't know do you always end up with the raptors (laughs) so yeah Uh, cool, cool VFX screw up is when the Gallimimus jumps, when the Rex comes out of the woods, he just phases through the T-Rex's face. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's
4: right. I saw that. I did see that. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Ellie runs from a raptor. Um, and
5: then the, uh, climbing of the uh, fence is actually in the book, but instead they're like, Hey, why don't we just fit through these holes? (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, cl- they clearly can do that in the movie, but I, I don't I don't ask questions, diff- obviously. Uh, so, no, Alan manages to turn back on the power, but Tim loses unconsciousness after getting shocked and blasted away. He just gets shot, like, fucking 40 yards, and Alan is just there to catch him. Otherwise, he'd be dealing with more than just shocked parts, probably broken parts. Um
1: I always thought it would have been funny if he like shot Tim Shaw off the fence and went into the T Rex's fucking mouth, like <laughs> <laughs> just what I always imagine. It's like hole in one. Oh
4: god. So yeah, Mister Hammond, I think we're back in business. Boom! Big old jump scare. Don't you guys cannot tell me that did not have any effect on you when you watched this for the first time? Because my ass jumped when that raptor just came out of nowhere. And yeah, I love That's this. A great shot. That's
5: a good love shot.
4: Love it. I love it. Practical effects, it's so good. Uh, so Ellie runs from the raptor that was hiding in the maintenance shed and, yeah, she discovers Ray's severed arm. Sam Jackson was supposed to fly to Hawaii to film his death scene, but a hurricane destroyed the set and the scene had to be scraped. He regrets this, like he had a choice in the matter, because he was physically chased by them and killed and he really wanted to do it. But, nature had different plans for Mr. Jackson. They're like now nah, we're going to keep to
5: spirit Halloween and got his arm. We're <laughs> going to keep you grounded.
4: That's right.
5: So in the, in the book, the grant is the one that actually turns the power back on. And then, um, Arnold still dies the same way he dies in the book. And then, uh, a side note is Gennaro also tries to turn the power one, but does not die in the book. He gets like attacked by the Raptor and then like hides in a car.
4: Interesting. <laughs> Um, I honestly I was not expecting Eric to just come fully prepared and then some. Like I'm loving every minute of it. I'm just <laughs> I told
5: you he fucking loved
1: the getting movies. used like, to it to... and
4: catch, and trying to keep up. That's all. Uh, well, okay. I, I, as
5: you as you like take a take a gap. I'm like I'll just fill in some information. <laughs> and I love it.
4: I fucking love it. It works so well. So Spielberg wanted the velociraptors to be about ten feet tall which was taller than they were known to be. And according to an artist involved in pre-production, Spielberg requested this change because he was unhappy with the size of what was considered the largest uh, dinosaur at the time. Or not dinosaur. Um, Dromiosaurid. I can't pronounce that word. Um, I can't
5: say it either. So Yeah,
4: but you, you see the word. But he wanted it to be bigger. That's what it all comes down to. Another reason was to make the raptor more menacing. Obviously, during filming, paleontologists actually uncovered ten-foot-tall specimens of raptors called Uh Spielberg well, yeah, Spielberg also wanted the dinosaurs to be bird-like. For example, snapping to attention like a chicken. <laughs> he uh, wanted the raptors to turn their heat, heat. He wanted the raptors to turn their heads so they could look behind them. <laughs> I'm imagining that fucking Spongebob meme who is like Ugh. all the awkward motions like that's what I'm envisioning right now, but it's a raptor. Um, yeah, you wanted the fucking raptor to turn their heads so they could look behind them to make them have a scarier <laughs> appearance. <laughs> heads.
5: Well, every time you say turn their heads, I just go, "fuck." <laughs> <"Bomp."
4: laughs> <laughs> <laughs> like uh, ostriches. <laughs> fucking ostrich raptors. Spielberg likened the raptor tapping its claw to Morse code to any raptor listening. I guess that's what he was going for there. Meanwhile the raptor set up a trap for Muldoon in a way exactly as Grant had described in a uh, scene earlier with the kid with Freddy's child. That's why I coughed and said foreshadow. Uh, Yeah one raptor is rustling in the bushes behind or in front of Muldoon and right behind right before sorry he can shoot the raptor the big one emerges from the bush and he utters the famous words clever girl clever girl
5: great effect too like like i just love how even like the raptor eating muldoon is so it's done practically it's so good <laughs> it's so good
4: well this is one of uh only a couple scenes where it's an actual person in a raptor suit that is attacking him behind the scenes did you know that it's
5: so good <laughs> it, it, it's literally it, that's my favorite kill of the whole movie and it is so good because you like you just you can you don't see it but you see it the viciousness of like you're just like this guy's screwed <laughs> i, I just imagine no way
1: the, like on set as they're filming it the person's in the raptor suit and as he's attacking he's gone like rah 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 <laughs> like making
5: fucking noise as he's attacking could you imagine he's just sitting there like He's like, I'm watching you. Just like messing with him (laughs) while he's trying to film the scene. (laughs) Watching you peck.
4: Oh, man. After escaping, Ellie meets Alan, and they both go back to Ian and John in the emergency bunker. So Lex Lex and Tim also narrowly escape the big one and her fellow raptors in the kitchen. And this is the big you know jello jiggler moment from 1993 (laughs) that was everywhere we see the big one opening doors and calling out to other raptors around eventually after outsmarting the raptors tim locking one in the freezer and lex knocking the big one out for several minutes alan ellie lex and tim all head to the computer room to try and reboot the system Alan and Ellie hold off the big one trying to open the door to the computer room until the power is restored and the electromagnetic locks begin working. Lex is finally able to restore the park's computer systems in order to call John to request a helicopter rescue of the survivors. Hey, uh, she did something. Yeah. (laughs) After making the movie, uh, Ariana Richards developed a great interest in dinosaurs and assisted Jack Horner paleontologist on the film as his assistant.
0: I thought you were going to say Jell-O.
4: What?
5: I thought you were going to say Jell-O. Great. Uh, she grew, grew fond of Jell-O, <laughs> particularly lime. What the f- <laughs>
1: I just imagine, like, was that part in a commercial for Jell O, like, where she's holding it, it's jiggling, is like, so good, you can't hold it still, or some shit. Like, I
5: just imagine that uh, <laughs> a fucking Jell O commercial.
4: <laughs> J E L L O.
5: So, there, there's a really cool VFX mess up what that, like, you can see clearly if you just, like, I can never unsee it now is when the raptor pushes in the door, there's a guy that has to push the raptor's ass yes, down. Yes, yes. <laughs> because it almost falls over. They couldn't get the shot done, so they just yes. had a guy that's like, push him down, push him down.
4: <laughs> and when filming the kitchen scene, which was filled with reflective res- with reflective surfaces, Dean Cundy, we didn't really talk about Dean yet, the cinematographer, Who you know what? Fuck it. I've gloated about Dean plenty of times on this show in the past. Um, he talked pl- a lot about Cundy. Yeah. Yes. Cundy had to plan the illumination while using black cloths to hide the light reflectors. Smart, smart man. So, with the door secured, the raptor breaks into the room through the window after Grant shoots it, causing Hammond to scream, Don't! on the phone as he hears the shots fired. The group finds, I'm sorry, they climb up to the ceiling, crawl space, and arrive at the visitor center skeleton display. Only after Lex is attacked by the big one leaping at her, the raptors pursue. And after a scuffle with the big one on top of the fossils exhibit, the raptors block their escape route. help suddenly comes from an unlikely source in the T-Rex who appears, kills both Raptors, (laughs) saving Alan, Ellie, Tim, Tim and Lex in the process. Where the fuck did this T-Rex emerge from? As
5: as Spielberg would say, the top of the frame. (laughs) I just
1: like to imagine at the end with the iconic (laughs) shot where it's roaring in the uh, Discovery Center, he's actually saying, like, you're fucking welcome. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's just what I like to imagine uh, the T-Rex is saying. So as they're running away,
5: the Rex, they foreshadow it a little bit in the beginning of the movie. You can see them working on the exterior of the building. And it's actually, I believe in that shot, it's open. But later when they showed the visitor center, it is closed. Like they finished the the, the construction on it. But then when the Raptor scene happens, the, it's open. You can actually see the outside. It looks fake as crap, but you can see it. And, uh, it, it, the VFX guys, uh, say famously, they were like, Steve, how do we, how do we do this? The, 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 the Rex can't get in there. He's just right. like, where, well, how do we get the Rex in there? And he's like, from the top of the frame, <laughs> just put them in there. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. It's so awesome. Nobody's going to care.
4: That's insane. That's so fucking insane. Um, <laughs> regardless, I fucking love the shot of the Roaring T-Rex with the fallen when dinosaurs ruled the Earth banner in front of it. It's just so iconic. And in the original novel, Hammond was killed by a flock of small dinosaurs. The, uh... The, the, compies. the compies. The compies, thank you. A Species, which did not appear in the movie. They're the little tiny dinosaurs that appear a couple times in the sequel. Uh, first in the, the the film's opening scene, and then again when they come back to kill our poor pal... Um. Oh my God! What's his name? The Russian.
5: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember his character name in the movie, but it, the the char- the guy that plays the Russian bad guy in every movie.
4: <laughs> yeah, Peter Stormare when he gets ki- killed by them, um, by the copies. So yeah, um, yeah, he's a uh, he, he gets killed by them. He dies. So after that, the four climb into uh, John and Ian's jeep then head for the landing strip. Alan decides not to endorse the park.
0: Hey, Mr. Hammond. After
3: careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. So
4: have I. The choice of which John <laughs> concurs. As they fly away in the helicopter, the children fall asleep beside Ian, who has this change of heart about. Kids, I guess, while he watches over a flock of pelicans flying nearby, the surviving relatives of the dinosaurs that escaped. And that so, uh,
5: go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: I was gonna say that's Jurassic <laughs> Park, but apparently it's not. Go on. No,
5: no. Um, so couple cool uh, addition uh, tidbits here is um when Lex falls through the ceiling. Uh, that was a stunt person that actually did that. They did a facial swap. One of the first times they've ever done a facial swap in a movie. And it's and almost damn near impossible to tell. Um, so that that's actually a really cool shot that they did. And then um, another uh, interesting tidbit is Malcolm actually dies in the book as well.
4: Yeah, I knew, I knew that. And
5: they had to, like, change that shit for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, they they just, like, totally <laughs> on it. Now, in the book, it's kind of left... Like, they don't say he well at the very end very 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 end of the book they say he died but like there's a scene where like they they're like leaving the island and they go what about malcolm and they just shake their heads. so they like kind of leave it open there in the book but then they're like at the very end like last couple of pages they're like oh yeah he died <laughs> i'm like why can't you just write on that out of the book and just be like yeah he just was really messed up <laughs> yeah. but yeah whatever Oh, mm, um, and part. the the <laughs> Rex. Another cool VFX shot is the when he eats the raptor in the mouth and throws him. The raptor actually disappears for a frame. If you if you freeze frame it, the raptor is not there for a frame. It was a glitch when they rendered it out.
4: Interesting.
1: Glad to know that uh, you're like sitting there watching all this shit, Eric. I <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine like, right. the fucking frame. I've seen
5: movie so many times, man. <laughs> <laughs> all
4: right. Let's jump into uh, some categories, starting with box office receipts.
3: In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250000 American dollars. You take it out, we put more in. I want receipts.
4: All right, so the film has premiere on June 9th, 1993 at the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C., before being released to the public on June 21st Nineteen ninety-three from Universal Pictures, it opened up across two thousand four hundred and four screens, grossing forty-seven million dollars on its opening weekend, coming in first place. Obviously, second weekend it only dropped eight point two percent. I repeat, it only dropped eight point two percent, grossing thirty-eight point four million dollars. Still number one. Um, total gross different now. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Nowadays everything's open a weekend and that's pretty much it. So this is back in the day where you had holding power. You have a number one for several weeks.
4: That's all right. Um uh total gross was one point four six billion dollars against a budget of sixty three million. That's all. This movie made buku money. This movie made Yeah it made stupid all the money. money. This movie made all the monies. Spielberg
1: uh, made more money doing this movie than most fucking movies ever make. <laughs> so that should tell you right there when the director makes more than most movies gross.
4: Yeah. Um all right, let's move on to Crick's Corner and see what they had to say about the film. <laughs> Jurassic Park has a Rotten Tomato score of 62... I'm sorry, 92% based on 130 reviews. The Critical Consensus says Jurassic Park is a spectacle of special effects and lifelike animatronics with some of Spielberg's best sequences of sustained awe and sheer terror since Jaws. It has a Metascore of 68 out of 100 based on 20 reviews, a CinemaScore of A... Ebes gave the film three stars out of four, saying the film delivers all too well when it's promise to show us dinosaurs. We see them early and often, and they are indeed a triumph of special effects artistry, but the movie is lacking other qualities that it needs even more, such as a sense of awe and wonderment and strong human story values. Janet Maslin from the New York Times called it a true movie milestone presenting awe and fear-inspiring sights never seen before on the screen. One paper, this story is tailor-made for Mr. Spielberg's talents, but it becomes less crisp on screen than it was on the page, and much of the enjoyable margin either mumbled confusingly or otherwise thrown away. I'm sorry, enjoyable jargon either mumbled confusingly or otherwise thrown away. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone described the movie as colossal entertainment. The eye popping, mind bending, kick, kick out the jams, thrill type of ride, summer probably event of the year. Compared, compared with the dinos, the characters are dry bones indeed. Crichton and co writer David Kep have flattened them into non entities on the trip from page to screen. Honestly, I respectfully agree with Travers here. I think it's quite the exact opposite. I think the humans are given the bulk of, you know, the um, build, whereas the dinosaurs are kind of secondary. I mean, this all falls back on 11 minutes. Am I I crazy with that or what?
5: Uh, I mean, I (laughs) I just feel like... I don't know. This movie is just paced very well. Like, it it doesn't feel like the dinosaurs have only had 11 minutes of screen time. And the actors in this movie and actresses do an amazing job. So it's just... Then so
4: be it, right? Just accept it. Stop bitching about it, accept it, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's what I'll do.
5: I mean... I
1: can kind of see like what some of the critics are saying. Like you don't get a lot of character depth. You don't get like a lot of the characters don't really have an arc other than a few. So I understand all that, but that's not what this movie is. I mean, we're not watching a fucking Shakespeare. We're not watching an Oscar movie. Like we're watching a crowd pleasing blockbuster. Of course, all the characters are not going to have a ton of depth. I mean, do we really need like a 10 minute scene on each character? Like, no, that's not what this movie is. So I, I think that's superficial fucking criticism and bullshit. I don't think that's legit for this type of movie.
4: No. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just there's a lot to pack with this movie or I'm sorry. There's a lot there's a lot to unpack with this movie and you know, we haven't even just we we haven't even scratched the surface yet. So, moving on, let's jump into pros and cons before I take on any job. I look at it the same way as it takes to make the thing. Positive versus negative. Now, you mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that, and you get a reaction. Eric, since you're the guest of honor, why don't you start by telling us your pros for the film?
5: Um, pros, uh, I mean, I, I, the whole movie, I, lo- I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean I can't I don't know what what the name is a pro like I just it, it does a very good job at what it set out to do when it, <laughs> pro I love this it, movie it, yeah, that's my pro I love this movie I got some cons but I don't really have any pros written down because <laughs> I just I, I love this movie so much to me this movie's damn near perfect so yeah, that's my pro <laughs>
4: fair enough um Corey how about you
5: First,
1: pro I wanted to bring up is special effects, uh, and that's down to the animatronics and the CG. I think uh, the way they're used and blended is masterful. Um, I think this film just still holds up today. Like, yes, yeah, there are a few shots that maybe don't look as good in high def. Sure, but I think even, like, for example, my son, when he's a little older and watches this, I don't think he's going to sit there and think, oh, this movie's old and looks terrible. Like, it's just timeless. The way it's done, and it pushed technology forward. I mean, this is really—I I know there were CG and movies before this, obviously, mm-hmm. but this is really what pushed it to the forefront. Oh yeah, uh, this and like Terminator, or like—I ter- mean, sorry, Terminator Two, or like what pushed it to the forefront. So I have to mention special effects. Uh, my next one is the score. I fucking love John Williams' scoring this. It is just magical and whimsical and the sense of adventure you get. I'm surprised Eric you didn't mention it. I mean, Jesus, you had the music playing at your wedding. Like, I just remember Jurassic Park playing Yep, I got married uh, to
5: Jurassic. I got married to the theme of Jurassic Park. Not not the not the normal version. It's the uh piano guys. That's who that the version I got married to. Very I but yes.
1: <laughs> I just I just remember that's my so wife was We're sitting there, and my wife's like, this is
5: beautiful music. I'm like,
1: it's fucking Jurassic Park. (laughs) And she's like, no way. Nobody knew it it was Jurassic
5: Park. Everybody's like, I I feel like I know that song. And I'm like, it's Jurassic Park. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, it's from the piano guys. They do a nice, like, orchestra version of it. But yeah, it's it's Jurassic Park. And they're like, you got married to Jurassic Park. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone. Um,
1: And then uh, for my last pro, I just have to mention Spielberg here just his directing. If you take a lesser filmmaker and put it in with everything else like with the same actors, same script, same technology, I think you could still come out with a decent movie, but I think Spielberg, like I said, no matter what you want to say, if you don't if you're not a fan of his movies, if you're not a fan of like the mainstream blockbuster or the crowd pleasers that he's known for, the man knows his craft, like just the way a lot of the shots are composed just the way a lot of things are handled, like just not seeing the dinosaurs right away. It just builds up that anticipation and then it just pays off with that sense of adventure and wonder in the best possible way. I mean, you feel like you're on an adventure with these characters the whole time. And I think that is partially down to his directing. So I just wanted to mention that as my last pro.
4: All right. For me, I got uh, the effects, of course, the actors and the chemistry together. Cause I think everyone in this movie just has chemistry with everyone else on screen, no matter who they are. Uh, and John Williams, his score and the sound design in general, like there's a reason that this was the first ever film released with DTS sound. And it's just, it, it's really important to note that, uh, even if it's, you know, the second time throughout the episode, because it's just a, a big deal. And, um, a film with this magnitude, you know, deserves, you know that kind of treatment. Um because it's a movie about dinosaurs, so you expect one of the premier things to be the sound the sound design. And yeah, I guess to even the, you know, um dinosaur enthusiasts are probably curious as to what kind of sound they're gonna give to a creature who, you know, like I mentioned before, like we had no idea prior to this what these uh, these animals sounded like. No, there's no recorded, you know, reference at all. So I I think given the tools that they had and everything, I think they pulled off something so memorable, you know, with 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 the sounds and everything. So, uh, do either of you have cons cuz if not this is the part. I, I have. Or if I have, you do, have, this is the part.
5: I have some cons.
4: All right, go on, watch you start.
5: All right, so because I've watched this movie so many times, like the normal people, this doesn't bother anybody. And, and if you if you've read the books, um, just a couple little things that would bother me. So, like for example, one of my cons is so has anybody noticed that Laura Dern just mumbles. Like in this movie, like she's, she doesn't like talk loud or even like yell, even when like, she's like, run, it's like a mumble. It's not even like a full, like yell. (laughs) And, uh, that kind of bothered me just the way she just did. I've
4: never noticed it personally, but that's just me.
5: Yeah. And then, um, I'm so you guys talked about guns and stuff before. My brothers mentioned that I have various different firearms, but, uh, what bothers me is just the use of the shotgun in this it really just kills me. First off, the the it wouldn't have made that type of pattern in the glass. It would have definitely just blown the glass out completely. Well, they say <laughs> right. it's they say it's um tempered, but even so, it wouldn't have put a hole through it. it. It would have if he had slugs maybe, but that looked like birdshot. So, it would have definitely peppered it. And then um the other thing was is he shot it and they just like dropped the gun. Why wouldn't you just it's got a slang throw it on your shoulder. Maybe you can throw it at him later. I mean, I just don't know why you would just drop a, a possible tool. Like and if you say it's jammed, it's it, it's a pump action shotgun. Just pump it. It's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Gennaro, I like Gennaro so much more in the book. He has so much more to do um he's not a complete weasel he doesn't run out of the car and get scared um you know he's got normal fears and rational rationale throughout the whole book and he's actually um in the book uh towards the end they want to go find the raptor nests to find out how many animals were actually born out of the scientific area and he's just like why why don't we just blow them all up <laughs> like why well, won't just blow the island off? Like, why are we doing this? So, like in me, I would just like Gennaro much more in the book. That's
4: it. Do you have seventeen dollars oh. and a really nice watch? Oh,
5: and the and, <laughs> and the arm. The arm is really bad <laughs> for Arnold when it yeah. falls on Lord or Ar- uh, Sam
4: Jackson's, Jackson's arm. Raptor, like put it there. Oh
5: yeah, that like, was an awful, awful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: props yeah, the,
4: the, the raptors like getting you know, all michael myers on us and shit propping up dead bodies
1: like you're gonna find that shit later um <laughs> i just have i just have one con and it's not a huge con but the kids in this movie I, i'm not saying the actors did anything wrong like i actually think they're pretty good as far as like you know kids roles go but i think it teeters unannoying like I I've heard some people say they're annoying other people like them I'm kind of in the middle and I think that's kind of down to how it's written more than anything else like when they're in the tree and you know like the dinosaur sneezes and they're talking about how they're you know tree eaters or herbivores like it's just dumbed down so much and i know that's probably partially done for the audience but i'm like these kids are supposed to be smart i'm sure they know what an herbivore is right or can understand an herbivore we don't have to say like leaf eaters or veggie eaters like i don't know that's just <laughs> like there's a couple scenes like that with the kids and i know what they're trying to do is relay information in a general easy way oh yeah right but it just makes the kids kind of I don't know they're supposed to be smart and then now all of a sudden they're kind of acting stupid. Remember Rex is veggiesaurus. <laughs> Yeah, Veggisaurus, Like, come on. We, like, that sounds like something like a four year old would say.
4: We as the <laughs> audience are dumb. Remember that?
1: Yeah, and it's just down to the right. I think the kids like as far as the acting is actually pretty good. I uh, actually rewatching it like Lex like she I forget her um the actress's name but she's really good like with some of the expressions and screaming and some of that stuff like it actually is good it's just the down to the writing for the kids would be my con
5: i think that was a leftover from maybe like when they did the, cuz in the book Lex is basically useless she they just play her as like the girl that screams uh, and uh <laughs> Tim pretty much does everything as far as the kid stuff goes so they kind of split the duties and i think that was just maybe a leftover in there from the screenplay, original probably, and they just didn't change it.
4: Yeah, for me, my con uh, for a movie called Jurassic Park, you only got eleven minutes of dinosaur scenes, and <laughs> something's wrong with that. I don't know. I just more dinosaur, more dino action. I don't know, like nothing extreme. Like give me like maybe one, maybe two, depending <laughs> on the length of time. Like more sequences featuring. A dinosaur. It could be any dinosaur. It could be. <laughs> be, be a fucking, you know, brachiosaurus for all I care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, you know? Slow-out like triceratops. I don't care. Like
1: I'm going to see the Ed edit where, like, you take the movie and just edit it right <laughs> into <random> fucking dinosaurs.
4: <laughs> into the movie. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, that's my con, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Let's move on. Going to move on to a new category. Who gets canceled by today's cancel culture?
0: Someone just got canceled. Someone just got canceled. Someone just got canceled. I wonder what they
4: did. Corey, why don't you start off this brand new category with your answer?
1: This is an easy answer for me. It easily has to be the T-Rex. He would fucking get canceled. You cannot fucking kill an animal like on a set like that like the fucking t-rex eats the goat or the lamb or whatever it is he would be canceled like you would like everybody would be bashing the t-rex the t-rex would be sitting at home trying to use twitter with his little fucking hands and then like you'd <laughs> be like reading the comments and go like brah like uh, that's just what i imagined Like the fucking T-Rex. You cannot eat fucking lamb chops in today's modern age. So the T-Rex would definitely get canceled for its animal abuse.
4: (laughs) Different. Was not expecting that. I like it. Eric.
5: I actually didn't know who to cancel because uh, I'm going to go reverse. I don't, I'm not going to cancel anybody from this movie. In fact, this movie was way ahead of its time. It had hermaphrodites for god's sakes it had <laughs> women that turned to men <laughs> i mean it was it, i mean the main the main uh dinosaurs female they started off so female empowerment um you know you got uh female child actors you got you know uh laura dern uh, you know she's not main part but lex is a good main part you got
0: <laughs> laura dern, you
5: got laura dern. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um You know, it's the it's the anti-cancel movie, in my opinion. I don't know who to cancel because they're just like, you know, let's throw, throw, you know, in fact, they didn't even have the kid touch a gun. So it's like the anti-cancel movie.
1: I could see uh, Netflix trying to shamefully push this movie as like part of Pride Month, like in their fucking (laughs) Pride Month selection. Jurassic Park, under quotations, it's all female dinosaurs.
5: Like, what the Uh, fuck? Here. Actually, I got to cancel. You can cancel Nedry because he goes, Oh, I thought you were one of your big brothers. There you go. And we can cancel him. (laughs) Misgendered.
1: (laughs) He misidentified the dinosaur. (laughs) Well,
4: they're going to be essentially canceling themselves. It's it's not like we're going to be doing the canceling. So, I don't know. My answer here, I, I put Malcolm. Primarily due to his forwardness. Anyone else would have fucking decked him, but he's got that, you know... He must have caught Grandpa in a good day. Yeah, and he's in the whole flirting scene alone with him and uh, Ellie. Like, the way he's just kind of, like, grasping her hand and, like, rubbing her forearm. And he's just sitting there like, oh, this motherfucker. Or however New Zealand speak in their hidden accent. Um, no, uh, yeah. I, you know, that's, that's the kind of answer that I gave. But I like the T-Rex theory more I, I, yeah, the I think T-Rex is a good theory the, the, the T-Rex definitely has grounds to be cancelled so watch yourself tea. animal
1: cruelty is a bitch T-Rex <laughs> I <guess.
4: laughs> uh, love it alright well then shit let's move on to mulligan moment if you had to do it all over again would you make the same choices
1: uh, I mean, there really wouldn't be anything in particular that I would want to take out or that I was really just like rolling my eyes at. I mean, I think I alluded to it with my cons, like maybe tweak the tree scene a little bit so the kids don't sound like they're like five years younger than they are. But that's about it. I mean, realistically, I really don't have much
5: of a mulligan scene.
4: All right, there.
5: Uh, mine's to do with Muldoon. Um, Muldoon is supposed to be kind of an expert on the raptors at this point. Um, so for him to fall into that trap, maybe he doesn't quite understand that theory. But uh, I like the way he's done in the book much better. He runs away, has a rocket launcher and blows up a velociraptor. <laughs> I wish I would have just seen that in this movie. I was like, man, that would be awesome. It just blew up a velociraptor. <laughs> I just I
1: just imagine Bob Peck like reading the book and he's like, oh, I'm gonna blow up a fucking Velociraptor and then he gets to the fucking set, reads a script, he's like, What is this
5: shit? He's like, Yeah, they just like they cut him down so much in this movie. I mean, he's not really needed for the general purpose, but like still he was he was some he was a badass in the book.
4: <laughs> nice. I'd add an additional dinosaur or two. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Jesus Christ, I hate those fucking answers. <laughs> I know.
4: No, I, honestly, that's that's honest. I, no, I'm not going to touch anything else in this movie. I think, for in all honesty, for my money, this movie's um the closest in the perfect a, a, a film about escaped dinosaurs is going to get. So, uh, props to Spielberg and company for you know making that happen. And yeah, thing looking good finger
2: licking good.
1: So for me, you know, there's so many scenes I, that are iconic in this film, but my favorite has always been the kitchen scene where the kids are getting chased by the velociraptors. That one always just stuck out to me. That's probably the scene I've watched the most in this film is just the kids getting caught or chased by the velociraptors. I just love like the play, like, uh, you know, the kids using the noise to distract them and then, like when Lex is trying to pull herself into the storage thing, the Velociraptor sees the reflection, fucking hits the reflection, like just little touches like that. And then obviously the special effects, like the the puppetry and the animatronics in this scene, are just insane, and it just looks so real. So I definitely had to pick the whole kitchen scene with the Velociraptors for
4: sure. So thing looking good for me is going to be the T. Rex attack. I mean that scene's just. The, 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 the first big, like, massive sequence you get, and that's always the scene that I go back to, you know, you can call it my reference scene for the movie when talking about it, and, and that's because that's, I, it made an impact, a serious impact, uh, that first time, something that stuck out to this day, that I'm, you know, um, well, again, like I mentioned before, well, just carry on with me for as long as I can remember stuff. Um, That's... Like I mentioned, talking about it before during the plot breakdown, everything from the sense of claustrophobia that it gives me to the intensity of it to the, oh my god, I can't believe they're putting that poor fucking kid through all that peril. Like Everything about it just... It, has, it just features the... The right amount of ingredients you know and that's why it's my favorite scene of the movie so you can't take that away from me not at all
5: I'm just gonna mine's the same answer as Ed's the, the whole T-Rex scene in particular uh the shot that stays with me forever is when Grant gets out with the flare and the Rex looks at him the mm-hmm. cold dead eyes of the animatronic with them being bright mm-hmm. and just the look of the Rex Yep, it's a great it's just that's the best image from the movie
4: and stay still. Yep. All right. um Yeah. Great scene. God, so good. Just thinking about it right now. Just brings you back. All right. Time for a new category. Another one. This one's called I Like This. Try That. You can do this. When- So this is the more along the lines of, like, a recommendation. If you like this movie, then try this movie, you know, like that. Uh, I'll go first. I'll kick it off. So, you like Jurassic Park, then you might want to try Congo, a film that came out a couple years after this. <laughs> a film that was also written by Michael Crichton that was based off a book. Steven Spielberg did not direct Congo, unfortunately. Oh,
1: hell no. If you want to see what I was talking about earlier with how much of a difference Spielberg can make, watch Congo and then realize how much better Jurassic Park is and rewatch that again.
4: But (laughs) but, but the one thing Congo does feature that Jurassic Park wishes it featured is a smart, intelligent ape named Amy who drinks martinis and I love him (laughs) for it. (laughs) <laughs> Whoever
1: you're gonna say Ernie Hudson, who? I was gonna agree with you. Ernie Hudson is fucking. awesome Ernie Hudson's
4: awesome, and 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 so is um uh, Grant Heslov, Heslov, and so is Dylan Walsh. Oh, eh, Dylan Walsh is okay, but Tim Curry. Yeah, I was gonna say now. Nah, Tim he, Curry he that
5: Or the or the three seconds of Bruce Campbell.
4: <laughs> oh, that's right. Or Dalroy Lindau So many and John Hawks So many good people in that movie.
5: I actually really like that
4: movie so
5: it's so stupid but I like it. I,
4: I wasn't I did not put this on here as a, for a laugh. I'm being serious. I recommend Congo. Like I think it's you know, clearly it's not on the same level at all as Jurassic Park, but you're kinda getting a little bit more of the same variety, just not as upscaled. Um Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna tear it apart. I I, I one of it's 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 saved in one of my various you know streaming libraries, so I've been meaning to sit down and watch that as well. And who knows if it holds up, then we can talk about possibly covering it down the road. But for now, check it out if you like Jurassic Park. So, Corey.
1: So mine was an easy pick for me because this is a film I instantly think of when you say like something like Jurassic Park and it is in no way near the same level, but I still enjoy this film, and that's Deep Blue Sea. Um, So that came out a couple years later, and it actually is funny to me because it has a stunt casting of Sam Jackson in Deep Blue Sea, where the fucking shark ate me. Like, I just love that shit. Like, Deep Blue Sea is just so ridiculous, so stupid, but it's a similar type premise where it's like genetically engineered or genetically enhanced sharks, or in the sea, like in this controlled environment, they break free. They start eating all the people in the fucking uh, science labs, and it's just them trying to escape. It's like basically Jurassic Park, but instead of dinosaurs, you got sharks. And instead of a park, you're in a underwater um, science station. So it's just a dumb, fun movie. Like, is it really good? No. But is it entertaining to watch Sam Jackson get eaten within the first 20 minutes? Yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a go. So, if, if you're a fan of that type of you know science fiction action adventure for the
5: masses, I think Deep Blue Sea is a fun dumb one that came out a few years later. Deep Blue Sea is one of my other favorite guilty pleasures. Uh, I bought that on DVD. I don't remember that, Corey. And then uh, I used to watch that all the time. And then uh, what really threw me for that movie is when Sam Jackson gets eaten. Like that just comes out of the blue. Like you, nobody suspected that Just talking about sub- subverting your expectations there <laughs> it was stunt casting and then obviously the Chappelle
1: show fucking yep. uh, a bit fucking shock hey, Sam Jackson hey. Bear. Like, <laughs> everybody remembers that but yeah the deep blue sea I fucking love Reddy Harlan and like that is a Reddy Harlan film through and through
4: oh yes it is we saw that the other in the theaters remember yeah Good stuff.
5: All right, Eric. Um, so, my movie is uh, it's substantially longer, but I any, <laughs> and uh, I have to bring it just because it's even referenced in Jurassic Park, King Kong. So, um, in particular, <laughs> I like the Peter Jackson version. Um, I love that King Kong movie. Uh, it's got a great dinosaur fight scene in it, so there's some cool dinosaur stuff in it. Um, it's all about, you know, uh, being stuck on an island with monsters and uh, trying to escape. And uh, like I said, it's even referenced in Jurassic Park.
4: Ooh, all right. All right, well, it's time for us to choose our movie MVPs.
2: All right, now you might think I'm a little biased. But I take my job as a presenter very seriously. I will show
5: no favoritism. I am here to honor excellence. And the most
2: valuable player is...
4: Uh, I'm picking Neal. Sam Neill. Sam um, Neill. Goldblum just missed out due to being absent for a chunk of the film. But I think Sam Neill holds his own for being um, the leading man. Um, something that he's not typically billed as nor did he really ever do another movie after this where he got top billing like he does in this movie um i don't know
1: did he do was this before mouth of madness in the mouth of madness or was this after
4: this was the film that um he followed up dress park with so in the mouth of madness is when's the last time you seen that movie
1: I saw the it a couple of years Sam ago. Niels. I have the uh scream factor. Yeah, yeah,
4: same here. Sam Neill is a motherfucker in that movie. Like Exactly. <laughs> and, and and I can also reference, you know, um The Omen 3. He does a good job. But if you really hey, want Damien. you really want some really classic Sam Neill work. 1981's Possession. I have mentioned this film on the show few times in the past um it's a movie that just completely slipped through my radar over the years and my buddy burleson shout out surprised me with a limited edition blu-ray box of it that came out whenever mondo put it out and he i think it's number like 1700 out of 2000 it's numbered and everything—it's awesome. The movie itself—it's just gorgeous. The less said about it, the better. Um, you know, I I, I gotta lay it on you, Corey. It's it's so fucking good. Um,
1: I yeah, never seen it. Yeah,
4: I'm sure you've heard of it. It's just one of those movies that I just implore, especially if you you know are a serious fan of film like we are. Gotta see it. You have to see it at least once. So, um. But yeah, Sam Neal is far and away my MVP. Like I said, it, it, if it weren't for Goldblum, you know, taking an absence for like 45 minutes, then maybe it'd be different. But it's not, and it's, you know, Sam Neill, So
1: um, For me, you know, in a vacuum, I would probably pick Sam Neal. Uh he does a good job, like I said earlier, he brings credibility. Like he you actually feel like he's a scientist, uh and he actually has an arc in the movie where most of the characters don't. Like his character Grant actually I, uh, you know grows throughout the runtime of the film where he realizes, you know, maybe dinosaurs aren't everything and maybe having a good life and a family is important as well. So in a vacuum I picked that, but since Ed already picked it, I have to pick fucking Goldblum, Ian Malcolm. I just love that shit. Like, when they're in the helicopter heading to the island and then Goldblum's doing his fucking Goldblum growl, like, I just love that shit. Goldblum is in full effect. Like, I just love hearing the dialogue delivered in the way only Goldblum can do. And then even when he's hurt, you get that sweet Goldblum fucking hairy chest. So I can't even be mad at that either. So I'll pick uh, Jeff Goldblum
5: as my uh, MVP. So my question is, is do I have to pick an actor or actress or can I pick like, can I just be like Spielberg? You can pick
1: a crew member. Yeah, you can pick a crew member. Um,
5: I, I feel like, uh, between the, I would just, the, the my MVP would be the crew of the movie making this thing happen, uh, in particular the VFX people and Spielberg. But re- really, uh, I gotta say Spielberg, uh, just because as Corey said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, this movie would still be a good movie without him. It just wouldn't be the Jurassic Park that it is. So I'm just going to go with Spielberg.
4: All right. I like it. That's different. I like it when uh, we hear things that are outside of the box, so to speak. All right. Well, we typically give our final rating and then move on and wrap up. But this, is, this kind of entails our, our third Little change with the uh, categories, so now we're still going to give our final ratings, you know, using our five-star system, but we are going to detail why it does or does not deserve to get that full film effect treatment. That, why it does. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let me reword that.
1: Too late. We already did it. Why it
4: does or doesn't get the film effect seal of approval.
1: Ow. On a scale
2: of one. Ow. to a On a scale. Ah, on a scale. No. On a scale
4: of one to ten. Uh, on a scale of one to ten. Give me the damn veggies. What do you think? For me, it's five stars. Shocker. Uh, it's 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 getting that hot stamp seal of approval because even after twenty nine years, it's a joy to watch. The effects are still mind blowing while John Williams' score and Dean Cundey's cinematography add a whole nother layer to everything, there is still yet to be another film to feature lifelike effects like this from industrial light and magic. They truly broke the mold and new ground with their special effects featuring very minimal CGI. And the cast is just the cherry on top. They're the backbone of this film, and between everyone from Sam Neill to Richard Attenborough. This simply works unlike any other film. These actors wrote the goddamn book on chemistry, and I have a whole newfound love for the movie that I never experienced before. These new filmmakers might have just rewatched Jurassic Park films for inspiration, but they definitely weren't watching this Jurassic Park film. I'm giving this the full. I'm sorry. I'm giving this the film effects of approval to the fullest extent. Send it. Corey.
1: Yeah, for me, my rating—I have to give it four and a half out of five. Uh, to me, an all-time film, near perfect. I mean, if I had to make a critique of why I would knock it down half a star. I would have liked it to delve into the moral and ethical stuff a little bit more. You know, I appreciate that it's there in this big box office, um, you know, blockbuster. I appreciate all that, but I wish it just delved a little bit more other than like a few lines from Jeff Goldblum or um, Grant or um, anybody else. Like, I, I just wish, you know, it got a little bit deeper into it, but that's not a hard knock. I mean, you know, I still get the four and a half out of five. I mean, right. Landmark film, uh, as far as important films, I mean, if you were putting together a list, this would be one of them just or its impact as far as special effects, as far as marketing, like a blockbuster, like, I mean, this thing was just everywhere. And I mean, it was for good reason. It was just an enjoyable movie. Like just a fun ride that everybody can enjoy. Uh, like I said, previously, um, yeah, it's just one I'm enjoying the love. And of course it gets the film effects seal approval from me, uh, for all the reasons I just listed. And, you know, I just also want to bring up, I love Attenborough in this movie. Like he makes a character that I shouldn't like likable. Like that's how good Attenborough is. I just wanted to, uh, mention that, uh, cause I hadn't brought it up previously. Like he's just like a, like, I just want to hug him. Like if I was there, I would, you know, like, yeah, your park's trying to kill me. But I still want to hug you, Edinburgh. That's just how much I like you in this film.
0: We have so, a T Rex. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, we have a T Rex. Um, so, yeah, that, for all those reasons, it definitely gets the seal of approval from me. And, yeah, as an all timer. Uh,
4: all right, Eric. So,
5: I don't really know what to say after you two went because everything you guys said is basically what I would say. Um, but harping back to what Ed said uh, about it uh, basically inspiring so many people to get into paleontology with dinosaurs and things like that. this this movie, like I said earlier, has changed a generation uh so that's that's why this film deserves the film effect seal of approval and they're still making making sequels till today box office sequels it's not (laughs) like we're talking like you know uh you know straight the video sequels at this point i mean uh, maybe the next one might be after dominion but i mean (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know i don't know what what's your uh
1: rating i mean i know it's a dumb question oh it's five uh, out of five what do you give it yeah
5: Yep. Just waiting for you to say six out of five. I, I would, but uh, you know, five out of five size so I can go. <laughs> I we, we, we could pull Spinal Tap here and say it goes to eleven. <laughs> yeah, we
4: could. Ah uh, shit. Hey, well, this episode is sponsored by Hershey Park because fucking Russell Studios. <laughs> and we have reached the end of our episode on Jurassic Park, a film that unanimously gets that full Film Effect seal of approval. One down, many more to follow. Check out our ever going collection of previous episodes over at our website, which of course is the Film Effect Podcast at G. I'm sorry. That's an email address, which of course <laughs> is dot effectpodcast.com. And please follow us on social media. Uh, so many platforms to choose from. we got announcements, up-to-the-minute updates, news, you can interact, socialize with us. And to find us on Facebook and Instagram, we are at the Film Effect Podcast. On Twitter, that's the most important one, at Film Effect Pod. On TikTok, we are at Film Effect Podcast. And finally, you can send any type of email you want, any questions you want answered, any criticisms you want to throw at us, you name it, you can do it. The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. Oh yeah, we're on YouTube. Subscribe today. <laughs> Enjoy various <laughs> clips from the past, and um, you know, throughout the week, we'll be uploading. You know, a couple clips a day. I've been trying to be consistent, but you know, they're not. The daily uploads, like I intended, but I'm still getting, you know, a, a good yeah. amount out throughout the week. So
1: we're in the beginning phases. Exactly.
4: Yeah. It is all it is all new. We've only been doing it for about a month, so very very early stages of developing. So stick, you know, subscribe to it. Come on, do it. You know you want to. And finally. <laughs> Actually, it's not finally. We got plenty more to talk about real quick. Ratings, reviews, they help. They go a long way. Um, we prefer them to be positive five star reviews, but <laughs> I would rather you just be honest because that's how I am. Uh, it's Pride Month. We got merch still going. That new design, it's still up on the site. Thefilm Effect com slash store. Uh, like I always say, snug material. Cool designs, cheap prices, buy it, and check out fewer casts, as always, every Friday, uh, every Friday. Uh, We have an episode coming up this week on Batman Returns, celebrating the 30th anniversary, which was the other day, actually, so we're a few days late, but whatever, better late than never. I was wondering,
1: I was wondering why we were covering Batman Returns and not, like, starting from the beginning. I guess that makes sense now.
4: It's the thirtieth, yeah. And um we have an episode on Dark City coming out that I've been talking about and it's fucking happening, guys. No more talking about it. Oh yeah. The time for action is now. There is a Dark City episode on the horizon, so buckle the fuck up.
1: I have a lot to say about that film. I that's one of those that I have loved since the minute we first saw it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. And it holds up. Uh you know, I just rewatched it. It holds up in my mind and fucking Ed Your Brother's creepy as shit in that movie. Let me just say that. <laughs> uh
5: side note, I don't really care for that movie. But I know Corey loves it. But I do
4: too. I'm 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 very open about my love for Dark City. So for
1: that Jurassic Park sucks. Oh yeah, uh huh. Changing my rating to fucking one star.
4: That's right.
5: <laughs> you take your matrix roof and get out of here. <laughs>
4: Connoisseur is better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Roger
5: Corman over there.
4: Theodore Rex for the win. All right. And also, we had the 4th of July coming up next week, and we have two very special episodes planned to coincide with the holiday. First, we are dropping our Independence Day episode on Independence Day as well.
1: Only July 5th. July?
4: No, that's July 4th, (laughs) because July 5th, is our Jaws episode that me, you, and Jocelyn are doing. When's the last time you talked to Jocelyn?
1: I don't know. I never really talked to Jocelyn. I think that was mainly you. Oh. But yeah, that'd be cool. She'll be be on. So I
4: actually talked to her this morning about it. We got it all set up. um, We'll be recording that the Saturday prior. And yeah, so she'll be doing that with us. It's going to be a fun time. Um, And it's Jaws. So I'm actually been looking for an excuse to sit down and rewatch my 4k copy so here we go and uh other than that that is that episode complete fellas any last words i know it's an abrupt ending but that's kind of how <laughs> we roll here so i just announced the end and i say shoot her do you guys shoot
5: her <laughs> <Shooter. laughs> Shoot that's about about oh, here, here, I got a last word for you. Why wouldn't they think raptors can open doors? Cats and dogs can figure that crap out.
1: <laughs> well, I, so here's a real quick thing. If they, if raptor can't open the door, how the fuck did the raptor get in there? Like, that's what I never understood. Like, what do they think? Arnold fucking out the door open for the raptor? Like, come on in, raptor. They,
4: they got, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know.
1: How did they get in there? Is the fucking maintenance so, shed part of the raptor? I got I have no
4: idea. So in the
5: book, like it, they kind of explain it by Arnold took his shoe off to prop the door open. Of course open, they do. So they had a light. So he had a because there's no light. So he had a light to see where he was going, and that's how the raptor fucking got in. Sam Jackson, fucking up everything.
4: Interesting. Anyway now that we got all that out of the way just want to thank everyone for listening it means a lot like it does every single episode uh, it also means a lot that you made it this far into the episode so thank you again for real and until next episode when we head to Gotham City this has been the Film Effect Podcast take care now, bye bye
5: see you. bye everybody